welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down one movie a week from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and if I had eyebrows like Inakichi, I would have sepakooed myself a long time ago. <laughs> and I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I would happily settle for a life of eating gruel. <laughs> <laughs> and today I'll be breaking down the Akira Kurosawa classic, Yojimbo. Yo. Dean, good to see you back in the studio. Lovely to be back. It is good, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Been a little bit. It's been since too the long. Last one, my old friend. Too yeah. long. How have you been since the last podcast, my friend? Yes, I've been very well. Very well. We um, we went out to the city to celebrate your lovely wife's thirtieth. Yes, we had a grand weekend out there. It was fantastic. We all got a little drunker than we should. That is kind of an understatement, but I'll <laughs> let you pass on that one. Uh, you did have to head off after the first night though, because of uh. Children, I guess, couldn't. Damn yeah. kids! Damn kids! Tell ya, uh, it was a it was a good day. Afterwards, we headed out to the the Melbourne market for the day. It was a bit of an adventure heading around all those different streets, the back alleys of Melbourne, and checking out all the you know the little nooks and crannies that you can find in there. The Melbourne market is that actually what it's called? Victorian market, there Melbourne market, go. the market. It's a bigger market than Melbourne. That's true. It's a state market, so you know it's good. We went out for dinner as well at the Crown Casino that night. And uh, as How we were, was that? What did you have? Did you have the chicken palmy? No, we didn't have a chicken palmy. We went to a Chinese restaurant and I had a nice... Spring roll? No, I had some duck. Oh, nice. I love duck. Quality duck yeah. it was. And uh, we were heading out to the movies after that to go see Ocean's 8, but we stopped at the roulette table, chucked a, uh, about uh, 50 bucks as we we're going along, and on our last $5, we spun a winner, and then the very next bin, we spun another winner. So we pocketed about 300 bucks. Nice. So it was a good night. And then you saw Ocean's 8. Well, we will get to that. We'll get to that. I actually did mention to you the other day about how my old laptop cocked itself a little while ago and it yep. had, and me being a, being a dickhead didn't back up any of our photos or this is like all our photos we've ever taken, like from the kids what? at birth. Oh, all I the thought way you through. meant hours in no, like no, me no, and no, you. No. I quickly got rid of those. <laughs> no, I didn't back up any of these photos on the hard drive. The computer died and it was like, all right, uh, this is absolutely devastating. But the thing is, it was just the screen that was dead. The hard drive was still fine. Yeah. So I went to task and, you know, YouTube and Google and all that, trying to figure out how to get these photos back. And luckily for me, I learned how to extract the hard drive from a laptop, stuck it in my other laptop, and boom, all the photos came back. I was uh, in the clear from the from the wife, I guess. I was uh, on death row after we found out that all the photos had been wiped by my stupidity. Yeah, but Yep. Yeah. Okay, if you're new to the podcast, first of all, welcome. Glad to have you on this journey with us. As always, please make sure you subscribe to us so you get instant notifications of when new episodes are up. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and most other podcast apps, as well as our new host site, Wooshka. 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 So thank you very much to Wooshka. And to all listeners, new and old out there, we'd love for you to help spread the word about the podcast. Perhaps you would love to chat with your other movie-loving friends and maybe drop in the middle of your conversation that this podcast will take your side in a gang war. Maybe even leave a five-star rating or review on iTunes to help us move up the charts for even more people to notice us. And Dean, I've got to tell you, the reviews have come out in force this week because we have got a new 20 reviews for us. What? Yeah, it's insane. Are we con contractually obliged to read them all? Sure. Why not, eh? Oh, God. <laughs> this will probably be the last time we read every single review, though, because- But at least we now- We've hit the competition We've deadline. hit it. All right, so oh, this will be this, exciting. We'll draw out who's going to pick our next film. Not not for next week. It'll be for the week after. Good. All right, we got our first review here from Seamus McKillen. Said couldn't stop enjoying the quality and good topics. 
Next up, we've got from Dylan C at Last Week at the Movies Podcast. These guys are awesome. I love the format of the show. Reviewing a movie, detailing cool tidbits about them, and they just have fun while doing it. Definitely recommend if you love movies. We've also got one here from Maytel1980. says, The hosts of this podcast are not only really, really funny, but they're also chock full of genuinely interesting trivia about the classic films they review. I like that you can tell they're long-time friends. The jabs they take at each other are fun, and their rapport is natural and delightful. Especially love to hear about their kids' reactions to watching The Wizard of Oz. Thank you very much for that, mate. Thank you. We are looking at getting them on as our first guests for next week. Well, that's news to me. <laughs> uh, next, from the Movie Geek and Proud podcast... Great podcast from the IMDb journey. Great concept for your show. Fun segments. Great use of audio clips. And the hosts, Dan and Dean, provide tons of facts to a movie. So even if you have seen the title they're talking about, it will not be a predictable episode. They provide more and set the bar for a good podcast. Also got one here from Deluxe Legend. Said, the website IMDb was an essential resource for my film noir class I needed to graduate from college. I subscribe to this podcast and it will go into my podcast rotation. Ben Hur episode was a favourite of mine. What, because of the movie or because of us? <laughs> Hope not the movie. <laughs> the format fits well for anybody who goes to the movies often or those like me who tend to be selective in what I watch. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next up from the pop-up film cast. These guys have a specific goal with their show, the IMDb Top 250, but they also cram so much more into each episode. The movie quizzes between the two hosts are a fun game and their quick hit movie drafts are witty while being straight to the point. They have good chemistry of two friends who have spent a lot of time watching movies, most of that time with each other. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, they're also very interactive with listeners. You're welcome. And fellow podcasters <laughs> on social media. Also from the Hey Down In Front podcast, gotta love another movie podcast that can easily be added into the rotation. Two funny guys talking about something they seem very passionate about, movies. Also got one here from the Good Times Great Reviews podcast. Wonderful in-depth podcast touching on movies that, while popular, include quite a few that I discovered through the show. Likeable host and entertaining discussion. Thank you very much. Next from Michael at the Great Movie Draft podcast. These two have great chemistry and really know what they're talking about when it comes to film. They have the ability to break down films in ways that many people wouldn't even think twice about. Attention to detail and funny gets five stars from me. Thank you, Michael. Also from the What I Watch Tonight podcast, what a great idea for a pod, and no pod is complete without awesome hosts. And this one has two. Great chemistry, great conversation, and great fun. Here's another one from Invasion of the Remake podcast. These guys have really set themselves up for a challenge, and we get to go along for the ride. They are funny and insightful and definitely a blast to listen to. I can't recommend this podcast enough. Also one here from the Films Remembered Badly podcast. This is a great podcast. You can tell by Daniel and Dean's back and forth, they are relaxed and comfortable. You'd be surprised how much difference that makes when listening. The idea is smart, wonderfully executed, and keeps you attached from start to finish. Also from Films on Trial, just started listening to the IMDb Journey podcast, and I'm loving every minute of it. Daniel and Dean have great chemistry and are really engaging as they break down a different film from the IMDb Top 250 movies each week. They talk in-depth about the films they review and offer up their opinions in addition to countless interesting facts and trivia there's also a weekly quiz a head-to-head movie draft and lots of banter to keep you entertained throughout really looking forward to continuing the journey with them why don't we take a little break dean have a little beer (laughs) gotta get through this what are we drinking tonight mate uh little creatures pale ale Mm. all right cheers my friend ah oh good stuff all right let's continue from eddie farrell there's something to be said about the bond that's made when friends set out on a journey 
Add in solid sound quality, humor, and excellent movie breakdowns, and you've got a great podcast on your hands. These guys have it all, and it just feels like a genuine, pure production. Join them as they make their way through the IMDb greats. Thank you very much for that, mate. Next up, from Kenna at The Boot Podcast. If there's one thing I love more than a movie podcast, it's a promise to watch all the movies on a single list. Not only do you have the fun of a comedy and the critique of a documentary, I like this one, you also have the drama of a will-they-won't-they nail-biter. <laughs> Will the guys make it all the way through the list? Will they still like movies at the end? Is it going to be excellent? All questions, you have to listen to the podcast to find out. Good luck, Daniel and Dean. You've hooked me into the IMDb journey with you. Thank you oh, for that. That is a quality review. What a delightful <laughs> review. Ted and Jim from Trailer Junkies Podcast say, Daniel and Dean get into some great movies with a fresh look. Great angle to open a discussion on some classics while layering in new movies as well. The banter is genuine and my time in traffic or on the treadmill flies by. Thanks for sharing your friendship with the world. Oh. Next up, for Better or Worse podcast, have said, I love this show. The hosts are so much fun and super funny. I love the amount of attention they put into their movies as well. The concept is just great too, so if you haven't been listening to this movie podcast, you're really missing out. Couldn't agree more. Okay, next we've got one from Mum of Four and Two Dogs. What is it, Six Dogs? I really enjoyed this pod. If you like long-form, in-depth, scene-by-scene movie discussion, this is for you. And I love the movie selection. Keep up the good work. Also one here from the Film Forecast podcast. The premise alone is great. Taking a journey through IMDb's Top 250, Daniel and Dean do a wonderful job of giving insightful and often comedic commentary of some of the best or at least the most popular films around. Also, it's worth sticking around at the end for their spoiler-free thoughts on the latest movies. A must-listen for people who love the cinema. Thank you very much. Thank you. And our last one here from the Dare Daniel podcast. Is that after you? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) The banter and chemistry between the hosts is immensely enjoyable as it shifts between mutual appreciation of a film and antagonistic joking. Who's joking? Shut up, mate. (laughs) Binged a handful of episodes in an afternoon and subscribed. Well done, fellas. And smart move actually picking good movies to dissect. We we don't pick them. (laughs) Unfortunately, if we picked them, we would not be getting Ben-Hur, I can tell you now. (laughs) No, thank you very much to everyone who yes. put in a review. Thank you very much. All right, we've got a list here. Uh, I've put on an Excel sheet of all the all the reviews and put up the random number generator between one and sixty. And let's we see, have sixty reviews. Sixty reviews. Nice. Yeah, solid so far. Hold on, I'll I'll do the number and then you can tell me who it is. Okay. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. And the number is thirty-seven. 37. Who is that? Oh! <laughs> it's Paul what? from the Countdown Movies and TV Review Podcast. Paul. Paul. Thank All you, right, fella. We'll, uh, we'll get in contact with you early and we'll get you to give us a movie off the top 250 list that we can watch for the week after next week. So thanks everyone for putting in a review so yeah, far. Thanks so much. It's been so much fun reading all these out. And if you haven't put in a review so far, please do. Like- what are you doing with your life? <laughs> no, we really do appreciate it all. And if you want to interact with us throughout the week, too, we're on Twitter at IMDB Journey. I respond to everything sent our way, and it is a great way to keep up to date with us as we regularly tweet what else we've been watching throughout the week. So you can leave your thoughts there, too, and we'll read them out in the podcast as well. You can also catch up with us on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash IMDB Journey. You can follow Dean at letterboxd.com slash Dino underscore J88. And you can follow me at letterboxd.com slash Hendo. And if you'd like to follow us on our Facebook page as well, it's very simple. It's facebook.com slash IMDB Journey. 
We've nabbed all the IMDb journeys we can find. We'll get any place we can find an IMDb journey, we will take it. <laughs> okay, before we begin our discussion of Yojimbo, as usual, I'm just going to put out a spoiler warning. We will be spoiling this movie from the get-go, so if you haven't seen it, you're welcome to uh, go and watch it and come back. Or if you really don't care about spoilers for Yojimbo, keep listening. Just make sure that when you, if you're going to go watch your Jimbo, that you pause the podcast before you use, uh, watch it and listen to us, because you're probably going to get a bit confused if you're trying to watch it and listen to us at the same time. It's quite likely. <laughs> so we're going to take a break here. We're going to finish off our beer. We'll put up a promo for the Contrarians podcast, and we'll be back with your Jimbo. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws? which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes. I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. So, Yojimbo, starring Toshiro Mifune, Tatsuya Nakare, and Takashi Shimura. Not bad. Yep. They, I, was, I was hoping you would say Mifune. No. Come on, I know my Japanese actors. Mifune. But we know this person, directed by Akira Kurosawa. Yes, we do know this person. Yes. Not personally. Oh, well, no. Is he still alive? <laughs> I'm honestly, going to say no. If he's, I really don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Do this every time. <laughs> yes, he has been. <laughs> he has been dead. <laughs> yes, he did pass away 20 years ago, so we were way off. Way off. So, looking into the Oscars here, this actually only got nominated for a Best Costume Design in Black and White, and that was it for this film. Well, it's a Japanese film. You kind of expect it not to receive much Oscar buzz anyway. No, but what this film did receive is the greatest domestic success for Akira Kurosawa in any film he made. Yeah, it was actually so successful, in fact, that Kurosawa had to alter his next film he was making, which was in pre-production, to actually make it a sequel to Yojimbo. Yeah, I did not know that until, until I looked up about this film. I didn't know that there was a sequel to Yojimbo. I've seen this before and yeah. had no idea that yeah. there was a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Might be something to look at in the future. It very well could not be something <laughs> I would look at in the future. Oh, do what, you weren't a fan of this film? No, like it. it's fine, but... I mean, you, no one just, talks... Just no one careful talks of those words. There no might be some movies to give out later. You wouldn't. <laughs> I've given you worse. Yes, you have. Nah, but all I'm saying is no one's um, obviously raving about Sanjuro, so I would assume that it's probably not as good yeah, as... Yeah, I did Bo. hear that it is the definitely the inferior film to the two. Oh, you heard that, did you? I did. I heard it on the grapevine. Uh, Dean's in a singing 
uh, phase now. <laughs> so anyway, do you know what Yojimbo means? Bodyguard. Wow. Nailed, Nailed it. it. <laughs> yes. No, I did not realize that uh, until after I saw it. But uh, it makes sense. Bodyguard. So I guess we could start by ranking the Bodyguard movies. Uh, I will start with The Bodyguard. Yeah, The Bodyguard's awesome. <laughs> I think that's the end of the list. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Wow. Uh, that's the quickest list we've done. One of, one of. Anyway, Sergio Leone was inspired by this film to make his famous Spaghetti Western trilogy, which obviously started with A Fistful of Dollars, which is basically a remake of this film. Yeah, I've watched a few. Is A Fistful of Dollars in the top 250? It is. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure For a Few Dollars More isn't. Okay. And The Good, The Bad, The Ugly is definitely. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Top 10. Actually, we may as well bring it up now. Our draft for this week is actually going to be movies remade from a foreign film. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that. That is that. <laughs> we will get into that after the uh, breakdown here. But, no, it is. it was interesting. I did watch a few um, clips. Shot for, like a like, yeah, um, shot back, for, back, back yeah, to back shots. Yeah, yeah. and it's, I, was, I was genuinely surprised at... Have you seen A Fistful of Dollars? No, I have not. Oh, okay. I was surprised at how similar they are. Yeah. And what surprised me more is that... Uh, Sergio Leone did not actually go and uh, ask permission from Kurosawa or whoever Japanese people he needed to to make a fistful of dollars. And Kurosawa, yeah, he actually sued him. So that was interesting. Yeah, I wonder what their relationship was like after. Like, I'm going to say poor. Poor, you reckon? Yeah, I feel like suing someone, you don't come back from that. Uh, maybe. Speaking of Westerns, Akira Kurosawa was actually heavily influenced by the American Western for this film. And in particular, he cited High Noon, High Noon, and Chain! Yeah, I haven't seen Chain or High Noon. In fact, I have not seen a lot of the old Westerns. I'm just There's a lot say. of them. It's, a, it's, it's quite a task to go back and, and watch all these old Westerns. Are there quite a few in the top 250? No, I don't think uh, none of these. Like, Shane? High Noon is High Noon. Stop saying Noon. Oh, You've what is said it about three yeah, times. High Noon. Noon? Nah, Shane isn't. I haven't seen Shane either. Okay. But he's your brother, so you'd see him a bit more often. That wasn't. Nah, drums normally for like bad jokes. Oh, is that good? Oh, I've put my. Oh! <laughs> no, but like, that's just. That's barely even a joke. Like, I wouldn't uh, register that's that. That's not as what a you joke. said five seconds ago. I said it's not a bad joke because it doesn't even qualify as a joke. Nah, you, you, you've, you're taking it back, mate. There's actually also another remake uh, about 20 odd years ago from. Yeah, the better remake. The better remake? Well, you don't think so? What, Last Man Standing? A have Bruce... you seen Last Man Standing? Of course not. But it has. I Bruce... actually have seen Last Man Standing. Bruce Willis is in it. It has to be good. Mm. 90s Bruce Willis? What's that shit one he did? Ship. <laughs> the shit one. The co- exactly. You can't the, think the, of the it. The color. The, the, oh, it's like some... Oh, the sex one. Yeah. Oh, the, is it the color of money? The color no, of no, night? No, that's it. I think it's it. Yeah, the color of night. Yeah, that's a 90s Bruce Willis film. And then, of course, there's Last that's Man memorable. Standing. Pulp Fiction? That's 90s Bruce Willis. We're talking about bad 90s. But there's a lot of... Yeah, obviously, there's a lot of great 90s Bruce Willis films. But they're Fifth also... Element. Armageddon. 12 Monkeys. That's good. Yeah, but I was talking about bad ones. What are we doing? We're talking about your Jimbo. And with an average of 8.3 over 90,000 ratings, it is currently sitting at number 114 on the list. Hmm. Interesting. Keeping your views silent there. Oh, I mean, that's so high. Like, really? Is 250 high? It's pretty high. Well, I guess we're going to find out at the end if you think it should be on the list to start with. All right now. Oh, do you want to say it? I mean, I don't think it should be on the list, no. Okay. Do you? 
No, I like to keep my opinion no. right. till the very end. You just said no. You started the sentence with no. <laughs> I'm reading between the lines. All right, Dean, where's your plot summary this week? All right, this one was really easy. A mysterious Ronan comes to a town divided by two criminal gangs. He quickly becomes involved and plays each gang off each other to save the people of the town. Not bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're into it. We get the titles straight up. Titles. Over the samurai... Or we kind of call him Sanjuro. Oh, are we? I don't, I don't mind. I can call him. I can call him Samurai or Sanjuro. Call him Samurai because I I don't think he has a name. I believe. Yeah, I think he actually gets the name Sanjuro in the in the in the sequel. Yeah, but he does he does mention Sanjuro in this film, but it's said in a way that it doesn't sound like he's actually being truthful. If you know what I mean. Sanjuro Kawabataki. Let's just call him Kawabataki for short. <laughs> No, I'm fine. I'm fine to stick with samurai. Samurai's good. Cool. So we have the samurai walking, and you can tell oh, before we get to the samurai. Like okay. we're skipping some key some key points here. Am I? Well, I think so. The opening shot. Right. Wasn't it's- I talking about that? Yeah, you got straight to the samurai. The opening shot doesn't have him there. Well, what does it have, Dean? It has Japanese landscape. A beautiful shot of. Uh, Japanese landscape. Thank you. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> but the music comes on and it's very, it's loud. Like it's bold, dramatic music. And I was reading up about it and the composer, Masura Sato, was actually instructed to write whatever music he wanted by Kurosawa as long as it wasn't like the usual samurai film scores that were being made at the time. Well, that's a nice observation. I actually didn't make any observations about the music along the way. I didn't. I, I personally didn't notice the difference between any other really, samurai Really? It really films. stood out for me, the music. It sounded... Okay, so it, the music stood out for you, but it didn't stand out to you that it was so different to all the other samurai films. Well, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen all of the other samurai what films. What other samurai films have you seen? I know you've seen Seven Samurai and Ran. It's pronounced Ran, but yeah. It's Ran. Yeah. You dickhead. <laughs> Is there any others? Uh, yeah, we talked about it last week. Oh, The Last Samurai. The Last Samurai. Now, nah, honestly, I actually love uh, samurai Japanese stuff, and it's mainly because of a... I guess it was a TV series. It, it's a really, really long movie, if it's not, um, called Shogun. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Have you seen Shogun? No, I haven't. It's It's got Richard Chamberlain in it and the dwarf from Lord of the Rings. I know there's a lot of dwarves in Lord of the Rings, but the main one. It's really oh, the good. the actor? Yeah. John Rhys-Davies. That's the one. John Rhys-Davies yeah. is in it as well. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It goes for about nine hours, and I've watched oh, it. Oh, I can't the- wait for that one. No, I've got it on DVD. I will lend it to you. Is it like uh, a six-disc set or something? Yeah, something like that. It's really, really good. <laughs> yeah, lend that to me. We'll see what happens with it. <laughs> Need a new coaster for my beer. <laughs> and I'm going to give you Shogun this week. <laughs> so good, I'll see you in a month. <laughs> anyway, so then we get, we do see the back of the samurai walk into frame. Yeah, we can see that just from this shot of, of all, it's just his feet walking, coming along. You can see this film is just going to be about him. He is the man. He is the star of this film. Yeah, and I actually love the way he walks around here. It's like, it's almost like he's stalking the scenery, like he's... He picks up a stick, he throws it so nonchalantly, he just lets it fall. He seems he seems like such a calm man, a man at peace. Yeah, with this stick you can see that he basically lets fate decide what's next for him. He throws a stick up in the air to find out where it lands, and that's the way he's going to go. He's going to let fate decide which oh, way he is goes. Oh, that what it was? He's at a crossroad. Oh, I didn't realise that. And he throws a stick up, and wherever it lands, that's the way he goes. This is his new adventure. What a strange life he leads. Yeah, he's going nowhere in particular. Basically, he's just going to walk the earth. Walk the earth? <laughs> what do you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Kane and Kung Fu. 
Ah, of course. Yes, of course. And much like your typical cowboy roaming from town to town, the samurai has a bit of mystery behind him as well. This is where you can see it's easy how Kurosawa was influenced by the American Westerns and why this film would be an influence on many others in the future. Because many Once upon a time in the West. That's another old Western I've seen. Very good. Because many of the standard Western themes are present in Yojimbo here. The film depicts a lone hero who must take the law into his own hands because both politics and the rule of law have failed in the dusty town. And that's basically what most Westerns are about. So he comes across a son and a father arguing. And it's clear here that so he's watching these two argue. The son wants to go out and live this large life and die young. And obviously... <laughs> The father does not like this, no. as you would imagine, but the son doesn't care. He wants to, he wants, he does not want to live a life of farming and eating gruel. Unlike you. Do you know what gruel is? Oh, no. A simple no will suffice. Well, I wanted to have a crack at it, but I can't even. It's, uh, it's like water and. Um, oats. It's porridge. Is it? Why don't they just call it porridge? Uh, they do. In some subtitles, it's, ref- it's porridge. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that to cater to the English watches? Yeah, the English. Yeah. Mind you, porridge is a much better word than gruel. Nah, gruel is Imagine going better. to the supermarket and getting a nice box of Uncle Toby's gruel. But <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Honey flavoured. <laughs> Gotta love that honey flavoured gruel. Very upper class. <laughs> yeah, I love the way he talks to this old farmer, though. He just flat out just says, like, old man, I'd like some water. <laughs> I just really think it's, it's good because it shows, like, the class difference that present here like a samurai obviously is above a farmer and is allowed and is expected almost to treat him as such and we do get some setup here about the town that he's about to uh enter because the old man does start talking about the, how the gamblers are taking over and i did actually find this conversation a little hard to sort of follow like when they t- start talking about gamblers and stuff i'm thinking like maybe not quite casino but like card tables like that sort of gambling but i don't think that's really how it's meant i think it's more about gambling with your life yeah i yeah. don't think it's it's that sort of gambling so they talk about were you disappointed when he goes into town there's no like craps tables and poker going on a little yeah would have been nice to get some uh mahjong mahjong of course <laughs> how could we forget the mahjong <laughs> Nah, but they do discuss about how they trade silk now and how this is causing, the silk trade is causing so much blood to be spilt. So we do get a bit of, you know, a bit of exposition and a bit of uh, setup for the movie we're about to see. Yeah, so he heads into the town and we get straight away the image of a a dog walking past with a, a hand in his mouth. You can clearly tell that this is not the nicest town you've ever walked into. Actually, Akira Kurosawa... He made his assistant director come up with an image for the film to let the samurai know that he was entering the bad town. And they came up with all these ideas and he shot all of them down because they'd already been done in other movies. Mm. So, in the end, Kurosawa himself came up with the idea of the dog carrying the human hand. What a hero. He's so so good. No, it is good. And, uh, like, when you hear that, you, you really can tell that it's pretty clear that Kurosawa really does strive for originality in his filmmaking. Yeah. Already, we've talked about the music... All his only instructions would make it different, and he, he even here, like talking about set up the town as something really ominous that's going on, and his goal is just to get something that hasn't been done before. Yeah, and I feel like this is why Kurosawa in general has had such an impression on cinema because he is so different to everyone else. Mm. He does stand out so much. Yeah, and when when we do see the samurai walking through the deserted town, and we start seeing all the windows start to open, and the people appearing behind, like to him. 
and it's as if they're scared of him. And as I'm watching this, I'm just like, are they scared of him? Like, what's going well, on? They're probably in this just town? scared in general of this town with these two gangs. Basically, you see it coming up. They just go out into the street and, and fight. Why would you like imagine living in that town? Anyone who walks in, you'd just be frightened of them. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's obviously not like these days where you can just pack up and move to a different town. You're stuck there. Why? Well, where are they going to go? To the next town. How are they so certain that there's going to be accommodation there, Dean? Well, they could work. I think you're getting. I think you're missing the point. Well, not really, because we see later on the son. He leaves his home, his town, to go to the next town. He's over. taking a gamble. Do you really yeah. think these families are going to go and take a gamble? To- well, when what they're struck with is death all around them anyway, with around these them. gangs not fighting. With them. Around them. Well, you don't think there's any danger for them? There is a little, but there's probably dangers all in every other town. Every other town. There could is be. Is like this. How do you know? Well, we don't, and that's the that's the key. That's, that's the draw here. That's the appeal. Okay, these families. Some point, you've just got to draw a line a in the sand. Exactly. You you're saying stuff that's like it's on my side. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Anyway, it is funny. After that, we do see the dog walk past. This 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 this. <laughs> the samurai does actually seem worried here. Right, he actually retreats. He walks backwards, and he starts really scanning the area almost cautiously. Until we see... Constable Hansuki, and what a little rat weasel piece of shit this guy is. Yeah, this guy is very odd. Yeah, he's this... What is he? He's like a double crosser. He plays both sides. He, he's, he's the constable, yet he's got no authority. He's a lawman. Like, yeah. no wonder this town has gone to shit. This guy's a joke. He does nothing. He basically instigates... He, he calls out when these fights are going to start. He, he bows down to both sides. Yeah. Like, what does this guy have any power? Who yeah. listens to this guy? Yeah. He has no power. He does nothing. No. What I love about this conversation is that it's one-sided, right? Hansuke s- talks non-stop. Samurai says nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. He doesn't nothing. need to. He's gathering information about this town. He's he doesn't this, need to uh, say a single word. John Wayne type, strong, silent type. That's right. The cowboy. Mr. Cowboy. Mr. Cowboy. <laughs> but we basically get a bit of expedition set up. Expedition? Yeah, we get some Ex- expedition. Is it expeditions? Yeah. yeah there, okay. So we basically get a bit of expedition set up here by Hansuke. Is it expedition? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, expedition. Fucking Google. <laughs> Google it. Exposition. Expedition? You were close. You were close. That's what That's what the samurai's on. He's on an expedition, isn't he? Yes. To find his exposition. Exposition. This, that's what we get in this scene. We get some exposition from Hansuki, basically telling the samurai about these two rival clans and how... Hansuke does talk about how there's two gangs with Seibe... Is that how you pronounce it? Is it Seibe? Sure. Seibe and Ushitora. Seibe and Ushitora. So that's basically all he gets out of it. All right. We find out about how it's... We don't how did you go with following the names thank god there were subtitles that's all i'm gonna say yeah like if this was english spoken these names would just be so lost on me yeah uh, Um, there was points where i got a bit confused about i I, when we get the exposition of who is who and who's against each other i did stop it several times yeah and just write it down and and just get my head around what is actually happening because when they start when it comes back in and they start talking about all these different names i'm like who is that who is that okay yeah, and the problem is they say it once, and because these might be pretty common names in Japan. Yeah, it could be like John and Sam. Yeah, exactly, us. and like we would remember them and associate them easily with people, but when I remember when I was in um, year 12 and we were studying the Cherry Orchard, um, and this is, I think it's a Russian um, play, and the names are like nothing <laughs> I've ever seen before. The hardest part about that, obviously, is just getting your head around the names, and once you do 
once you do get around the names, it's, you know, it's not too bad. As I said, I think having them written down on screen did make it easier, but it's definitely a hurdle that we as English-speaking viewers did need to get over. But what helped me is the fact that everyone looked different. No, I think think that's fair. They did look different. You've got Captain Eyebrows, you've got Baldy. Lurch. (laughs) Asian Jaws. I love Lurch. (laughs) Jaws, James Bond. (laughs) Oh, when I saw him, I'm like, that is like, is Asian Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're, uh, the next scene here, we actually do get our little uh, first glimpse of Lurch. Uh, the group of thugs come out and start circling the samurai. And again, like tensions rise, obviously, and they're being quite threatening. But our protagonist here, he remains relaxed. He just turns around and walks away, walking into the restaurant. But I just think it shows the, the confidence and power that the samurai has in himself. Where he's, he's surrounded by, what, 10, 12 guys? Yeah, but he knows. He knows he can take them. That's my point. Yeah. You know, that, and the movie is showing us that, that he's not afraid of this. Yeah, and with that, he heads into the restaurant and we meet the restauranter. And he's... Not much of a restaurant, I must say. No, every what time he goes... one in- table? Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> one in there? <laughs> and I've just got cold rice for you. Looks like a kitchen. <laughs> and it's very dark and there's no windows until they open it up later and it, like, glistens with every wall as it's opened up. But yeah. for now he's got it all down. Well, it's and it's showing it's the, showing the the song, life of oppression exactly, and that you course, wouldn't get in the next town over. And of course, right next door is the coffin maker, who's got a great business going business on at the moment. Is booming. <laughs> <laughs> he's cleaning up. And of course, they have a quick peek out one of the windows, and in comes Captain Eyebrows here. And this is where I started to realise that this is actually a comedy. This film. It's a comedy. It is a comedy as well. Yep. It is a. Subgenre of did you, comedy. Did you laugh a lot? I didn't. That's the problem. Are you sure it's a comedy? It is a comedy. Just you saying it with more force does not make it so. With this, with this music, this they they do it does come off as a bit goofy with some clunky sounds. I don't think it's here. a comedy. They have this scene here. The guy, the captain, you can have... comes up and he can't even count to three on his knees. Like, oh, that's three. Yeah, he has a mental disability. No, thank don't you very start much. This shit. This is a comedy. Wow, your true colours are really showing now, Hendo. So I'm saying I'm saying it's a comedy, but I'm not saying it's a funny comedy. I'm saying that there are yeah, but I feel like that would that would affect your your view of the movie. Like yes. if you're expecting a comedy and it's not funny, obviously because you'll take it down a bit. I believe I don't think it is a comedy. I think it is an an action, a drama, a thriller. Thank you, IMDb. That has some funny elements to it. No, but that it doesn't, doesn't make funny it, elements. It, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't has, make it a comedy. It has elements that are supposed to be funny. Lighthearted. Make, no, making it a comedy, but unfortunately for me, it's not funny. It's not a comedy. It is. It's not a comedy. I perceive it as an action comedy. Not in the... Like True Lies. No, not like that. This has a lot of just wonky elements to Maybe it. Maybe that's just Some of Japanese these cinema. No, it's not, because this is... Compare this to the other Kurosawa films that he's done. There is no comedic elements to those films. They're oh, genuinely was serious. Funny. This film is definitely... You say lighthearted, yes, I agree, but it is in a comedic way. Having said that, I don't think it's a funny comedy. Okay. So we see the samurai go back out in the street, and you see these... Two- hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let's go back for a sec. I did like how they did explain the uh, Ushitora and where he got his name from. So Ushitora, when his mother started childbirth, labour, if you will, it was in the Chinese year of the cow. And he was born in the year of the tiger. Now, Cow is Ushi and Tora is tiger. Ushi Tora. Comprende, muchacho. Good fact there, Dean. Thank you. Thank you. It's not a fact. It was said in the film, but 
yeah. it's a fact. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is more of a fact than your your Jumbo is a comedy. Inokichi is Captain Eyebrows. I know, I said that at the start. You didn't say Inokichi. Mm. He does have a very impressive monobrow, though. Before we get to when he leaves and goes outside, I just want to um, make a point of one of the things he says. So, at this point, he has said so little, right? Mm. So, when he does speak, I sort of did... My ears did prick up a little, and I took a special note of it. And I really love the line, I'll get paid for killing, and this town is full of men who deserve to die. I just thought that was quite uh, well written. Did you like it? I mean, yeah, it sets up the character quite well. I see there's a nice little bit of poetry there. Yeah. But he does head outside, and you see these douches basically get into a dick measuring contest about who's the best. Surely Lurch. (laughs) 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 And it actually took me a bit off guard here when they do get into their fight that it's a bit graphic with the he hacks off the arm and you see it land on the ground. Obviously, it doesn't look too gorish because it is in black and white and, you know, the color of red with blood does stand out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as you say, the violence here, it's it's quite different. Like, he's so fast and efficient. It's not attractive or showy swordplay. It's quick, fast killing. Like, he, this is a man to be feared. And the violence here, it's designed to show how damaging it can be, not in an inoffensive and safe way, as was the norm at this time. This was a move that Kurosawa would later regret, though, as it spawned a mass movement in the cinema, changing violence in film forever. Yeah, but I don't think, like, this film really isn't particularly violent, but when it does get violent, it's, like, really violent. Like, you see a couple of people that die, and there's the, the big blood sprays go up across the wall, where every, yeah. every other point... There's nothing. There's only like one or two spots in this film. Well, I think even the dog walking through with a severed oh, hand course, is yeah. very violent. Yeah, but that's, as you that's say here, the there's tone. a severed limb that falls on the ground. Like this, it's it's pretty violent. But there are a lot of fights in this film that there's there's no violence. You just see like the. That's realistic. He's not going to cut off limbs of everyone he kills, is he? But you're not going to see blood spray up against walls every single well, time. Well, it depends on if he hits arteries or not, doesn't it? I don't know. I've never hacked an artery, not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> very menacing. Actually, did you know that the sound effect that they made for this sword cutting the people was actually done by putting two wooden chopsticks inside a raw chicken and then hacking at it with the sword? That's the sound it made. No, I did not know that. Oh, that's how they got that. What do you mean? They put chopsticks inside a chicken and then hacked at it so you would get that sound of like flesh into bone. Wood. Flesh into bone, hence arm comes off. That's the sound they were trying to go for. So the chicken is the flesh and the chopsticks is the bone. That is correct. Brilliant. Yeah. So we eventually get to a discussion between one of the gang leaders, Sebe, uh, talking to our samurai. And they're discussing that Sebe wants to employ him as a bodyguard, basically get him on his side before Ushitora gets to him and gets him on their side. Some horrible negotiating skills, I might add. I mean, this guy folds so quickly. He doesn't <laughs> what even. It, what does he start up by offering? Three. Five? I think it's three. Three. <laughs> three. Three bucks. Yeah. And he just like, he just walks out. Yeah. He just continues, he doesn't even say anything, just continues to walk out, he's like, 5, 10, 20, 50. <laughs> he could have got so much more, I reckon, he could have taken a couple steps out the door, he would have got more. Yeah, so I did do some, a little bit of research on uh, how much a Rio, I think you would say it, R-Y-O. You did some research on currency, did you? I did. Wow. <laughs> what? I'm usually the one that has to look up, like, exchange rates and- No, you're not, it's always inflation me. I'm and- all about the inflation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he eventually settles on 50 Rio. Now, it is very difficult to compare that old currency to something we know today, but to put it in some perspective, one Rio was equal to one koku of rice. Ah, uh, of course. Koku. 
which was roughly the amount of rice needed to feed a man for one year. Okay? So, yeah, that's a lot. Right? So, he's got 50 Rios. That's 50 years worth of food for him. Right? That's that's an enormous amount of money. So, well done to him for his fantastic walkout negotiation. So, he just got paid 50 years of food. Yeah. Solid. Solid, yeah. I mean, rice, but yeah. So, we see the samurai walking around the, oh, is it a hotel, house, whatever they're in. And he's, he does, he sort of creeps up on Sebe talking with his wife and son, the heir to the territory. Yeah, this wife, she is running the show. <laughs> she's playing, she's behind the curtains here, telling them what to do. Sebe is a bit of a wimp. Yeah, he's pretty soft, our Sebe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the wife is, is quite a strong character, which is nice. I actually really like this scene because you do see the wife telling the son, that when all the fighting is done and dusted, he's got to kill this samurai. Oh, yeah. What a ridiculous thing to do. And as the, um, what are they, the the hookers? The geishas? They're not geishas. What are they? They're, they're prostitutes. Okay, yes. Not every Japanese prostitute is a geisha. I don't know. I know you don't know. That's why I'm telling you. So, while he's behind the... He's, he's just behind the wall. Wall. It's not really a wall, though. He's just there. While he's there and all the hookers are listening in on it and they don't... Why are you so disrespectful? It's the oldest profession in the book. Yeah, so he's sitting behind the wall while the prostitutes are listening to this as well. And when they overhear that we're going to kill him, he doesn't seem phased about it at all. He gives, he pokes his tongue here like, Bleh, whatever. Well, they're all frightened that, oh my God, they're going to kill this guy. He's like, nah, no big deal. I know what I'm going to do. Yeah, this guy is so full of confidence in himself. I was going to say he's full of himself. He's not full of himself. He just knows his power. He knows... He that- knows his plan. He he knows what he's got. He's got a plan in motion already. And the fact that they're, they're telling him we're going to kill him afterwards, he already knows he's going to ditch him and move over to the, the other side yeah. before this even happens. So he's, he's not phased about it at all. Hmm. I do find it funny when they're sitting in, in the room and Sebe introduces his four strongest men. And when he introduces them to Samurai, he gives this impression like he's never going to remember their names. He doesn't care. And... I feel for this guy because I'd already forgotten their names as soon as he said it. <laughs> so this is where he actually does name, he does call himself Kuobateke Sanjiro, which he seems to make up while looking at this mulberry field out of the town. And thus, this character can almost be viewed as an early example of the man with no name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a stretch at all. I think uh, Leone has definitely taken a lot of liberties, obviously, from this film and the nameless aspect of his main character was a key part of his trilogy, as we'll get to when we uh, eventually do those movies. Yep, indeed. And you can see that Sebe is really nervous about this new plan they've got to kill the samurai afterwards. And as he's making this speech, he's holding his cup out, but he's so nervous that he's, he's shaking it so much that when the samurai brings the sake bottle to it, you get that nice clink of it, that clink, 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 just to show you are so nervous and what you're saying. You know, you have no... You have no authority in what you're doing right now. We finally get to a big uh, battle scene, if you will. Oh, a tease of a battle scene. The samurai walks out with the Sebe clan. Out comes the Yushitora clan. They're sort of squaring off. And the Actually, sam- before that, we do get Sebe's master uh, get a little scared and jump the back fence and run off. And much like the thriller that you're talking about, we get this playful comedic music as a samurai is scoffing at how weak this guy is. Certainly yeah, It thrilling. is a light-hearted movie in this Certainly thrilling. Well quite, said. Quite funny. Quite funny that... Oh, you laughed, did you? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I understood that it was playing for comedy. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so we do get this key moment here where... 
the samurai leaves the Sebe clan. Flat out walks out in front and he's going towards Yushitara and you think he's going to go to them, but he doesn't. He climbs up this pole and sits on this porch to watch the two factions battle. Yeah, I do like the shot you have of the samurai sitting atop the bell tower right in the middle of the frame as you see the two opposing sides come in and no, out back it's and a forth. Good shot. Did you see the... Uh the controlling wife in the back of the pack. She was swatting the stragglers who were trying to run Orin. away. <laughs> Her name is Oren. <laughs> cool. All right. Oren. Yeah, no, I did yeah. see Oren in the back. You don't even know what I said, did you? Yeah, swatting... Swat, swatting... Stopping the-, the stragglers from retreating. They all wanted to run away. We're like, no, get back in there. Yeah, I didn't see her with a sword in hand. Exactly. So it eventually does get broken up. Like, there's no actual fighting here, but... They do stop doing what they're doing because they get word that there is an inspector coming. Ooh, the inspector. The inspector. Now, I want to know more about this character. (laughs) Who is this man? I don't (laughs) know. That he has such insane, massive power that they seemingly all answer to. Like, what are they afraid of Is he like the the chief of police? We've seen what the constable's like. What's the chief of police going to be like? Yeah, I don't know about this guy. I, I found this to be very, very strange, where you have these two gangs, they do whatever they want, and then there's word of one guy coming to town, and they're just feared. Yeah. Fearful. I, I did not think it was uh, making a lot of sense, to be honest. But it obviously has this massive impact, because... They have to stop. They've, yeah, there's basically peace in town for a bit. It's like they have this pre-mutual agreement that this a is... Truce. What, yeah. And so while they're, like, bunkered down with the samurai in the restaurant, we s- they have a peek at and they see there's this constable is paying the inspector off as well. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. When he's going in and he's, like, slowly, as he bows, he, like, puts the money into their shoes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Because you give me a look, you don't. <laughs> yeah, that bit with the shoes, of course. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll go. We'll move on here. Move on, move on. <laughs> And this here is actually when I started to think this was a legit comedy because you got eyebrows here. Like I was just because he has strange eyebrows does no. not make it a comedy. Eyebrow, eyebrow. Thank you, my mistake. Because I'm starting to think at this point with the way all these people are acting, besides the samurai and the restaurant guy and obviously the controlling wife, that I thought Oren. That's right. That I actually thought this was a legit comedy because everyone else in this film just acts like a buffoon. Um, they are so dumb. They're so inept. That's the Japanese way. And everyone just acted like a dumb shit. And that's where I got this comedic tone from. I didn't think it was funny, but I sensed that it was supposed to be playing for fun. Eh. Lighthearted, you would say. I would say that, and, and I would be have. right. And you have several times. Okay. But the samurai gets exactly what he wants. They're both fighting over him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly as he planned. Everything is going to plan for now. Yeah, everything works out beautifully for him. Up until a point. To a point. Yeah. So we see that it's it's... It's basically rains the whole time, and then it's ten days later, and the inspector is still there. Yeah. So they, I what he's doing? He's like, what is it? What does a normal day look like for this guy in this town? Uh, getting bribed, getting free food, getting complimented, basically getting the world to him. It's half a day. What does he do with the rest? That's pretty much hangs what you do back with, then. Hangs out with the uh, the old prostitutes, yeah, huh? The old uh, geishas. Eh? They're not geishas. <laughs> I know. You told me that. <laughs> So we get this conversation with Ushitora and the samurai, and this is where he's basically showing his hand. Like, everyone knows now that he's just playing both sides for the highest bidder, and they're obviously okay with that because they're not after the samurai, they're after the other faction. Huh. So they're willing to play ball with him, and he knows that, and he's going to keep up in the price. Hmm. One thing that annoyed me a little bit here is you get all these different people, they're having conversations basically out in the middle of the town. They're not 
hiding away from it. Yep. You see, like, the samurai and the restaurant pers- person, guy. Owner. Owner. They're lifting up their, what are they, windows? Windows, yeah. yeah. And they're just staring at them. Like, it's so obvious, yet they don't care. And they're still whispering loudly in the middle of the town for everyone to hear. Like, I don't understand. Why not go somewhere else? What's well, a small town. Looks like there's only one road. So the samurai over here is that they're coming up with this idea for this silk fair, which is a, which is going to end up creating a bit of a... A truce. Yeah, a, a truce. Peace. Yeah. And that obviously angers him because he's there to create tension and create fights, create their bodies, create money for himself. Yeah. And this is where he actually gets some genuine emotion here from the samurai for the first time because you see his plan is starting to backfire and that's obviously upsetting him. He seems like the kind of guy who's used to getting his way all the time. Mm, and understandably so. Yeah. And this is where we get our introduction to Unosuke. Unosuke. Yeah, Ushitora's younger brother. And the key thing about this guy is he comes in with a gun. A gun. Oh, no. Oh, no. A gun that he... It's basically... Uh, what's the saying? All bite... All bark and no bite for this gun. It's very flashy. He rarely uses it when... I mean, obviously, we, the movie's not going to end quickly, but seriously, he could just shot him so early on in this film and the, and the movie would have been over. Yeah, that's he, probably why he didn't shoot He him. legit could have just gone to, the, to Sebe and plugged one in his head. They take the town. Oh, I'm not sure he could have organised a meeting with Sebei, could he? He could have just walked in and shot everyone. He waves his gun around like it's such a, a powerful tool. Which it, it is. Which it is. It, free, it, it, like, it freaks everyone out. So why not just go and use it? Why not just go and do it? Because we need a movie. That's why. Yeah, because plot. It's a plot hole. And that's what kind of bothered me. It's like, you have this, like I just said, you have this gun yeah, that I can like- easily kill everyone. Kill everyone. Yeah. I don't like this character at all, to be honest. He's very annoying. Yeah. He is very annoying. Especially when you see him in scenes where they're like walking to each other and he just pulls out the gun and is like, oh, come on. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Very frustrating. But in contrast of Unasuki to the samurai, this is where Yojimbo kind of presents another typical Western genre code. And that's the battle between tradition and the modernization, I guess. Like Unasuki, you said, brings home the revolver and- the gun gives him this immense amount of power and authority. And Unosuke is contrasted by Sanjiro as another travel man who we ha- he has no past that we're aware of, yet he seems to know a great deal about how the world works. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we come to the samurai discovering two of Ishitora's men. Now, these are the ones who killed the magistrate. Who is the magistrate? Is it, I assume this is the same inspector they've been talking about. No, I think no. This is what this is what they did to get the inspector out of the town. They went and killed the magistrate from another town so that he would go to uh, that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Okay, so he finds the two Yushitoro's men who have killed the magistrate, and he sells them to Sebe. Yeah. All right. Now this is clever. He then goes to Ushitora and says Sebe has them. And the conversation here, the way he's playing both sides against each other, I think it's really, really good. It was very strategic. It's smart play, which is why it's my... Excellent! Okay, fair enough. I must say, I really struggled to pick a favourite scene in this. I'm going to agree, and I actually had to... When the movie was over, I didn't have a favourite scene. I had to to backtrack and think which was was the best scene then. I, I agree. I, I had no favourite scene after it. I went through, I reread all my notes. Now, I like this one. This one stood out for me because I feel like this is what the movie should have been more of. I feel like the I wanted... strategies. Yeah, yeah, I wanted more strategy from him, and I feel like this was him at his most strategic, 
which is why it is my favourite part of the movie. Well, it's actually interesting because my favourite part of the, the film involves the polar opposite of being strategic. Yep. Which we'll get to pretty soon, actually. Yep. Cool. Yeah, so when they kill these two guys and they quickly bring out this woman and... Hold on. When who kills them? Unosuke. Yeah, and he shoots them with this gun you said he never uses. I didn't say he never uses it. I said he doesn't use it to finish the job. In the very next scene... He kills two it. random stra- like strays. Why not just walk into Sebei's house? You can't and- get close to him. Oh, don't give me that crap. They would knife him to death. Oh, they'll knife him from a distance, swords. would they? They would throw long swords nah, at him. I- <laughs> that's not how samurai works. <laughs> no, they bring out this woman and he just fre- he freezes. He freaks yeah. out. I'm thinking, was well, this his wife? Is this is this someone who is very, very personal to Unosuke? No, it's very personal to Ushitora. And yep. I don't know that yet. No. It, it doesn't. Ha- you don't find that out until the scene after the trade. So when you have this trade happening of, you know... You sort of don't care. Yeah, I do. And, but you you're also... You're sort of wondering, like, have I missed something? Like, who is this woman? And you get that also in the middle of the trade where the kid is looking out the window and that obviously you realise that that's his mum. But there's this other guy and you're like, well, who is this? And why is he there? And why is it? Why is Ushitori caring about her? Why is Unosuke caring? There's nothing explained until it's all... This transfer is all finished. Yeah. And so... Like you said, when this transfer is happening, I don't know who this is. I don't care. Mm. If if we had got some exposition beforehand Expedition. about who this is, yeah. Yeah. then maybe I might have had a bit more feelings about what is happening during you this. You might scene. have had more feelings, yeah. No, that's right. I, I do completely agree. I feel like the plot, especially around this scene, it's it's clunky, it's unclear, and it's not in a way where you know there's a big reveal later on where, oh, it all makes... It's just like... It's like they forgot to tell you, and then like, oh, shit, yeah, we should probably let you know who this person is. Yeah. And it does hurt. It hurts the scene in the moment. Yeah, so once we do find out that this woman was basically won by Ushitora, and she's been taken away from her family, this sort of sets off the samurai a little bit. He goes to this safe house with eyebrows, Yep. and he quickly he quickly tells eyebrows... Yeah, he tricks, oh, they're all dead. They're he, all dead. Yeah, he tricks him into running off. Yeah. Saying the six men guarding them are already dead. And he flies in there and just wipes them all out clean. What a badass this bloody samurai is. Yeah, no, nah, it is great. He kills them easily. He messes the place up. He goes around. I, I do. I did enjoy him messing up this this um house, making it look like there was a massive fight. And I love how he and Ushitora comes down. I love how matter-of-factly he says to him, must have been 15 or 16 men. Yeah, just by judging on the mess of the room. Yeah, but just before that, you, like you see that sa- the samurai, he's uh, throughout this film, he's suave, he's devil may care, like he stays cool under pressure throughout this. He cracks jokes about the town's corruption, and he does he he does. It's Name a comedy. One. Name one. I didn't write any of them down. Da Vinci had his critics too, and he kills without remorse. But the samurai's moral code can be called into question at times due to his attitude towards killing and his bushido. And the he's, code of the yes, samurai. And his financial motivation to keep the town fight going. Yet, despite this, the samurai remains a lovable character throughout this film. Lovable? Yeah. You loved him? I did. And if there was any you doubt about this during the first half of the film, it quickly evaporates when the samurai takes it upon himself to free the peasant's wife, even though he knows he could be caught at any moment. And this whole section of when he kills these guards, he sets them free... And then he goes back in to tear up the place. He comes back out and they're there. They're still there. And they, they, they don't want to leave without yeah. saying thank you to him. And it's yep. the, the music changes as well to this kind of somber feel. And that is why it's my... Excellent! I love how 
you get this other side to the samurai here that he's not just all I'm out for myself I'm going to mm. go kill and I don't care he does have a soft side to him he sets these people free who should be who should be free like he wants to save these people yeah and so he goes out of his way he risks his own life basically he he destroys his plan yep. to set these people free yeah fair enough I do agree that it's good to see another side of him rather than no side which is pretty much what we've been given so far we have got a side uh, of who he is he just walks around doesn't say much but what basically undoes him is this letter. This stupid this, note. Yeah. That's when you're like, why did I do this? <laughs> why would you do that? Yeah. Like, he gets this letter, the restaurant guy... Owner. <laughs> ...gives it to him, and in comes Unusaki, Unusuki. Unusuke. 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 Don't you think at that point you would quickly try and hide that? He doesn't really seem no, to do anything about very, it. very... Yeah, it's... He doesn't do a great job, obviously, in trying to hide the note. He makes it out to be such an important thing when he's too subtle with it. Should have just grabbed it straight away. Yeah, but they already know about it. Apparently, they overheard. What is? It? What do they hear? They hear that, that someone says from the other town that they got set free by the samurai. Yeah, it was something like that. They something overheard like something. Yep. Yeah. So they so have he, their, he knew going in there. They have their very. They have their very. This is very lucky that he actually found proof as soon as yeah. he walked in there. And, uh, yeah, he looks like he's in all kinds of shit now. Well, he doesn't just look like it. He is. Yeah. He's caught. He's beaten. And, and, honestly- and Unasuki pulls out his gun and kills him. Oh, no. Wait, he doesn't. Mm. Is that what you really wanted to happen? No, but that's what should have happened. Why did he even have a gun? Why did this character need it? Exactly. He's- if he's not going to use it for the way he should, why have it? I mean, honestly, the only reason he- I can think of that he'd have it is just so he stands out. As he someone- uses it. Obviously, he uses it as a fear mechanism. But he's not achieving the goal that they this this movie is about, isn't it? These two sides wanting control of this town, they need to wipe the other side out, mm. and he doesn't use it for that. I was glad that the samurai was caught here, though. Um, I feel like everything else for him has just gone exactly as he planned. There really hasn't been any obstacle. Everything's so easy for him. Every plan worked. So to see him getting thrown around the room here by Lurch was quite refreshing for him. Asian jaws, Lurch. <laughs> but again, we see their buffoonery here as he hides in the chest. Mm. They walk in like, oh, he's gone. Oh, just a box. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Very convenient that there's a man-sized chest in the room, by the way. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so he starts crawling around, and this goes on for way too long. Yeah. It goes past being tense and goes into the boring territory here. The tense part when he's under the boards as yeah. they're walking over him was good, but there's a lot of it before him. Yeah, it there's can- a lot of it actually of him going to that spot. Yeah, and the problem is that this is almost the finale to the whole film. It should be ramping up the action or drama, not having an extended scene of a man crawling. Even the crawl across the town into the restaurant owner's place took forever. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really like this part in particular. But we find out that they've actually done something now, and Ushitora and everyone goes and sets their place on fire and kills everyone. I mean, they could have done this ages ago. Yeah. They all come running out, slice and dice, shoot, shoot, yep, shoot, yep, done. Yep, yep. How simple was that? Why didn't you do that with the samurai? Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the uh, the action here, to be honest. The it's sword, very abrupt. The sword play here is so dated. It's The supposed slashing with their sword, it just looks so fake. Yeah. But I did like that it was quite brutal, though. Like, they kill Sebei's wife, Oren, of course. Um, of course. And then Sebei surrenders, and they kill him anyway. And they then ki- they kill the son. Yeah, the son, of course, is Yorichiro. I don't even remember him. Yorichiro. Yeah, that guy. Not he, very, he was going to be the ultimate hero. He was going to kill Yojimbo, the samurai. And as this is happening, we get the samurai in a... What's he in? He's in a big a tub. A better place. 
a better place. <laughs> <laughs> he is actually. No, he's in a tub. He's in a tub or something, being carried out by the restaurant owner and the coffin maker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. As they're all just watching, and they just from a stand. Distance. They stop in the street to watch. He wants to watch. He wants to see what's going like, on. Seriously. Yeah, I didn't like that either. And then if you didn't think this was at least a genre of comedy, in comes eyebrows and helps the restaurant owner take Yojimbo, the samurai, out to the middle of nowhere because he he emasculates him. Says, oh, you, can't, you couldn't pick this up anyway. So, oh, you're all do it. And then you get the goofy music as he's walking along, not realising that he's actually helping him out. It wasn't funny. I know, but it it's supposed com- to be. It wasn't comedic. What is it then, Dean? It wasn't thrilling. It was, it was dramatic. <laughs> certainly wasn't action. <laughs> Can you at least acknowledge that there is some variety of comedy that's supposed to be happening in this film now? Now that I've pointed out several indications, you're saying that these, these parts aren't meant for comedy. It's not a comedy. You're saying this is a comedy. It is I'm a variety of comedy. It's a drama action thriller with some light-hearted moments. That's not light-hearted. It is light-hearted. These goofy It's music- not a comedy. Light-hearted is not bumbling buffoon helps hero while, while dumb music is being played in the background. Stop knocking the composer. The music is supposed to be played as dumb. So we're at the penultimate scene here where we have the samurai recovering, basically. And as you see him gradually get better, he starts to throw a knife that hits a, hits a leaf. Hmm. Again, same with City Lights. Did you see the blatant string or wire that was attached to this knife on that it hit the leaf? No, I did not. I did. Not going to give you a pat on the back? No. All right, fine. This is actually accomplished by running the shot backwards. Just like in La La Land. I was actually going to say, just like in City Lights, because I had an epiphany afterwards. I think you meant an apostrophe. No, not this time. <laughs> As we discussed in that one, you know how Charlie Chaplin had the, the sword go up his back when he fell down the statue? I'm pretty sure that would have been done backwards. That's why you said that there was a slit in his pants before. Mm. Same here. In the frame just before the knife hits the leaf, you can see a slit in the leaf at the exact point where the knife penetrates in the frame later. There is one little thing here that kind of irked me. When the coffin maker comes to the samurai and tells them that they've got the restaurant owner captured and they figure out that they know where he is, why don't they take him to where he is? They take him back to the town. He mentions that he's on his way to the samurai to, to feed him, to give him food. Yet they capture him and take him back to the town. Why didn't they just follow him to where the samurai was? Yeah. yeah. Stupid buffoons. Anyway. What if you and buffoons tonight? Because they are buffoons. We get to the final scene, this big, big shootout, and it's a fizzle. Yeah, it's a massive fizzle. My God, this was boring. I do like the shot of the samurai in the middle of the town, way back in the distance, no one, ar- no one else around him. He's on his own now, ready to take him on. The wind's blowing, the dust is going, much like a western. <laughs> it is a good shot. But as they gradually walk towards each other, Unosuke does his trademark move of gradually pulling out his gun. <laughs> Yeah. And what does he do with it? He fucks up and gets killed. How do you you fuck that up? And I'm watching this thinking, how in the world are they going to film this that it it looks like, okay, fair enough, he didn't get shot. They did not. Samurai's going to start slicing some bullets. All right. It's just, yeah, they failed here. This whole gun thing should not have been in it. I don't understand how he screwed it up. Yeah. So eventually the samurai throws a dagger and and mortally wounds. Oh, this guy takes forever to die. Yeah. Unosuke. But then, you know, the samurai quickly kills everyone else, which was fine. And then we get this drawn-out death scene for Unosuke. But in between that, we do get the constable who comes out and the samurai goes, do me a favour, go and hang yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Not funny, though. No, it wasn't funny. No, because no comedy. 
It's not funny. It's a comedy that's not funny. I didn't get this, uh, that Unosuke wants his gun back as he's dying. And the samurai gives it to him. Like, he doesn't know how dying he is at this point. This guy still could have shot him. And he tries to. It was a dumb move. Yeah, it was. And after all that's said and done, he leaves the town in the same way he came in. His work's done. It's time for him to move on to his next adventure in Sanjuro, which we will not be reviewing. Is that before or after the weirdo walks around for a while banging the prayer drum? Well, obviously, that's after. That was really weird. I wasn't a fan. Not a great ending to this movie at all. Yeah, it's definitely very anticlimactic. It is. I expected a bit more, but we don't get it, and that's the end of it. So let's get to our... Any last words? Dean, what's your final thoughts, fella? All right, Yojimbo has a fantastic premise. The idea of a man playing two gangs off each other provides a lot of interesting material, but the execution here leaves something to be desired. The movie is quite slow at times, and my enjoyment level dropped considerably in the last act. The characters here aren't overly compelling either. Whilst Mifune is charismatic, his actual character is not given any real backstory. The audience never really learns who this man is, and it makes it difficult for us to relate to him. The Japanese overacting in this film is frustrating as well. Whilst it was enjoyable and appropriate in the anime Your Name, here it feels unrealistic and really took me out of the movie. Yojimbo, I feel, has not aged well for first-time viewers. I'm sure in the 60s this movie was revolutionary, but today, for me, it just didn't do it for me. I'm going to be interested to see what you think about A Fistful of Dollars then in regards to the character there. Yeah. So for me, this... This is an entertaining film. The premise is quite simple, yet with intricate strategies that Sanjiro uses to maneuver back and forth from rival gang to rival gang, and it makes you keep your attention on the film from beginning to end. The character of Sanjiro is very charismatic. He's humorous at times, while being intimidating and deadly as well. But he also has a sympathetic and heroic side as well when he needs to. And this is in large part to the... I think it's a great performance from Toshiro Mifune here. He's a staple in the Kurosawa legacy. He's... His presence here shines brightly when on screen, so much so that they decided to bring him back for a sequel. And while all these things are very good, there's not too much for me here that stands out as fantastic. It's still an entertaining film that I I would actually watch again, but not one that deserves to be in this top 250, that's for sure. Kurosawa is obviously an outstanding director, and there are several other films that completely outshine Yojimbo, and we'll get to them in due time. But for now, this is just a fine film that... Yeah, it did prove that Japan could produce a decent Western, as Americans do, but not the best in the world. Definitely not. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where is this sitting in your rankings? Okay. Wait, before we do that, let's go off and rank our 15 movies we've done so far, because I did put a tweet of these 15 movies ranked, asking if anyone else would like to rank the movies as well. So, Dean, what is your rankings here? Okay, updated rankings, just quickly. From the bottom to the best, here we go. Ben-Hur, Singing in the Rain, City Lights, Vertigo, Wild Tales, Paths of Glory, The Prestige, A Beautiful Mind, Django Unchained, Your Name, No Country for Old Men, The Wizard of Oz, Die Hard, La La Land, and number one, Once Upon a Time in America. And for me, from 15 to 1, we've got A Beautiful Mind, Wild Tales, Singing in the Rain, Ben-Hur, City Lights, Paths of Glory, Vertigo, Django Unchained, Once Upon a Time in America, The Prestige, and in my top five, I have Your Name, The Wizard of Oz, La La Land, Die Hard, and my number one at the moment is No Country for Old Men. And we put the tweet out for anyone who wanted to rank the list themselves. We got one from Matt Neglier, the next Best Picture podcast. 
He's gone from 15 to 1, A Beautiful Mind, Django Unchained, Ben-Hur, Your Name, Wild Tales, The Prestige, Pars of Glory, Once Upon a Time in America, La La Land, City Lights, and his top five is The Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, Die Hard, Vertigo, and No Country for All Men. We've also got a list here from the In Session Film Podcast, from 15 to 1, Wild Tales, A Beautiful Mind, Ben-Hur, Django Unchained, Your Name, The Prestige, Pars of Glory, Once Upon a Time in America, Die Hard, La La Land, and the top five for In Session Film is The Wizard of Oz, City Lights, No Country for Old Men, Singing in the Rain, and Vertigo. So thank you guys for your list there. Really thank appreciate you. that. All right, Dean, where is your Jimbo going to sit on your list now? Okay, let's start at number 15. It's better than Ben-Hur. Okay. Then we look at uh, Sing in the Rain versus Yojimbo. And for me, I'm going to say Yojimbo is better than Sing in the Rain. Okay. Uh, Sing in the Rain, I mean, I won't watch either of them again, hopefully, but I can't see, I can see myself watching Yojimbo before Sing in the Rain. Um, then up against City Lights, and this is where it's going to stop. City Lights is much more entertaining and enjoyable for me, so I'm going to put Yojimbo at number 14. Okay, fair enough. Where would you put it? All right, I'll do the same as you. Let's start at the bottom here for Yojimbo against A Beautiful Mind. And I would choose Yojimbo over A Beautiful Mind. Man, you hate A Beautiful Mind. All right, shut up. I'm not bashing your list here. On to right. <laughs> Yojimbo against Wild Tales, and I think Yojimbo moves on there. It's up against Singing in the Rain, and I think it continues on to against Ben-Hur, which I also think Yojimbo is better than Ben-Hur. And again, at the same point, you're talking about it against City Lights, and I agree with you there. I think this is where Yojimbo stops. I think City Lights is better than Yojimbo. So Yojimbo is going to sit at number 12 for me on my list of 16. Very good. We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Oh. Okay, we have our Yojimbo review from... Shane! Take it away, Dean. Okay, while Yojimbo may have been a classic in its time, there is little to salvage from this in the modern era. I like some of the characters here, in particular our lead, the samurai, and production was reasonable. Story-wise, I felt as though I could just barely understand everything that was happening. It felt like there were a lot of throwaway scenes, and it took ages to get around to each of the major plot points. Another thing that confused me was that while there was one boss of the town we were clearly supposed to be against, I'm not sure I got much from the other boss. It was just the samurai toying with everybody, making fun of them, and occasionally rescuing those in distress. What is the moral of this story? Don't mess with the samurai? This film meandered way too much for me to be really invested in what was going on. I mostly found it boring. Hopefully I'll understand this movie more after listening to your podcast. Well, I hope you do too. Yeah, me too, Shane. We also got a couple of questions here from you, the listeners. Our first one here is from Paul, the Countdown Movie and TV Review Podcast. Said, what film is your co-host more wrong about than any other with his opinion? While I'm thinking about that, why don't you tell me what you think my opinion is most wrong about? Okay, I think this is pretty clear that you are so in love with Batman vs. Superman and it is an absolute pile of garbage. And don't give me that <laughs> shit that, oh, the extended cut's good because you loved the original yeah, cut as well. No, it's fucking terrible. And I'm not giving you a pass because you're a DC Batman fanboy. It's The whole movie is nothing anybody does makes sense. Lois Lane is boring. Lex Luthor is laughable. The dialogue is terrible. The whole movie just shits me up the wall. I didn't enjoy it whatsoever, and even when I said to you, did you go and see it? And you're like, yeah, 
there was this problem and this problem and that. But, you know, it's Batman and Ben Affleck and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's really good. And then, I don't know, you're just full of shit. Like, you just can't... You, I know you say, like, yeah, I can admit when a Batman film's good. And the only ones you've really said are bad are the animated ones. But, yep, you did. But... <laughs> yep, you <laughs> yeah, did. You did. End of story. But I just can't fathom why you think this film is good. It was a, it was a fucking train wreck. Uh, it wasn't. It was really good. No, it's not. It's fucking terrible. All right, well, that's, like, your opinion, man. Um, for me, I think you're most wrong about Avatar. In that I hate it and it's a pile of garbage. Yeah, like, it's it's not a garbage movie at all. It it's it's really good. No. It's visually just amazing. Yeah, that's the only thing that's the good about it. The characters are good. The characters story is good. Story's the terrible. action's good. It's, it's got James Cameron locked away in a vault for the next ten years, making f- two, three, four, five going on here. We'll never see him again with this shit. Fuck Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong on both accounts now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I really like Avatar, and I think you just don't like it because it's cool not to like it. Is it? I think so, yeah. Well, the highest grossing movie of all time. Well, I am. Oh, no, that's not actually a good movie. I am pretty cool, so that would fit. No, you're a sheep. I've said it before, I'll say it again. (laughs) I'm a sheep. Sheep. So, are you saying that everyone hates this movie then? Because I'm a sheep and follow them. Oh, now he's walked into it. No, I haven't. I'm (laughs) saying you're a sheep. What are you saying? Come back. What? Come back. Uh, What? No? Nothing? Hello? Is there any other questions? Crickets? (laughs) I hear them. Can you hear them? All right, moving on. From the St. Paul Filmcast, what's the best movie to watch for Father's Day? Yeah, this was this was a little interesting one for me. Like, if it if we're talking about movie on Father's Day to watch with my dad, then I really don't know something gangstery. But at the same time, I feel like I've I really don't watch movies with my old man that we've already seen before. Yeah. So I would just say a new movie, any new movie that's crime related, would be fantastic. But for more of a family-type movie that I would watch with my children, I'm actually going to say The Incredibles 1. I recently watched it with them, and it was a good family film to watch. It was There's a lot to like from all different ages, and it was very enjoyable. Yeah. What about you? I kind of mirror your opinion there. Like, if you're talking about me watching a movie with my kids on Father's Day, then you're going to look at something about a relationship between a father and a kid. Getting even with Dad. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Oh, that's a classic. No, I was thinking Finding Nemo. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a really good... It is very similar to my one. Yeah. Very Pixar, very father and... Yeah, family. Yeah, very family, yep. Family. Yeah. So, thank you for that, St. Paul Filmcast. Thank you. Next one here is from The Sensible People. They say, why did Netflix get rid of the ratings on Instant Play? And do you prefer the thumbs up, thumbs down instead? I don't know about... I don't know why they got rid of the ratings, but I'll... I'll rephrase the question. Dean, do you prefer to look at something that just has the thumbs up, thumbs down mentality or an actual rating system? An actual rating system Yeah, is it's kind of like the IMDb versus the Rotten Tomatoes yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I really I don't put any investment into Rotten Tomatoes whatsoever. I think that's just too vague. Like, you're asking if it's a yes or a no, yeah. and then it's what percentage say yes and what percentage say no. Yeah. No, I think a more... I no. think a... <laughs> I think a... Scale between like what do you want? To, whatever you want to do between one and ten and one and five, whatever. One and two. It's yeah, good. one and two. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that actually creates a more complete, a yeah. more complicated and uh, realistic rating. Yeah, exactly. So thanks for that, sensible people. Very sensible question. Keeping on the theme of IMDb, we got the Super Movie Brothers here who said, "Do you find the IMDb ratings on films to be accurate?" And are there any films you've come across that you think are overrated? We've all, we already answered the overrated question. You said 
Synecdoche, New York, and I said The Exorcist. But in terms of general ratings on IMDb, do you find them to be accurate? Yeah, in general, I really do. Um, I often, when I'm looking for new movies to watch, I will straight away go to IMDb yeah. and see if they've got a four. I'm going to skip it. And a lot of new, a lot of new movies do come out. A lot of the horrors come out with terribly low ratings. And frankly, I just don't want to waste my time with them. Yeah, I find anything with like a seven point three or something high really piques my interest because I think yeah, even a six, I'll watch a six. Yeah, if you, I think a six that you were interested in the first yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's also kind of how why we're doing this podcast as well. I mean, yeah, we, we obviously value the list yeah. and the rating system. So yeah. Cool, It'd yeah. be pretty ridiculous if we said, no, we think the ratings are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what are we even doing here? <laughs> no, thank you very much for that, Super Movie Brothers. Next one here is from our good friends at the Movie with the Misses podcast. So you're stuck on an island, but somehow you can watch a movie. One movie. One movie for the rest of your life. What movie do you choose? There's a lot to factor in. The longest movie or the most rewatchable? A movie you haven't seen, but you think you wouldn't get tired of? What's your answer, Dean? Okay, for me, I did think about all those factors. Um, and I'm, I'm obviously, I'm going to go with a film that I have seen before. I think it'd be quite ballsy to go with, oh, yeah. <laughs> with a film you've never seen before. This is a film I've watched countless, countless times. It's The Shawshank Redemption. Okay. It has a fantastic story of hope. And I feel like the way the movie ends would be appropriate for being stuck on an island. So I definitely have no problems watching that movie. There's so much going on. There's so many different emotions and themes. Happily watch that again and again. What about you, Hendo? So, I would probably go with something that is going to assist me while I'm out there. How did I know you would choose some bullshit like Lord of the Flies or something? No, I'm picking Castaway. Oh, God. That's so (laughs) cliche. Of course. You can watch one movie. And that's going to give me some And only one movie. Watch it once before you go. Take a book. How do I know I'm going to get stuck on an island? Am I going to go watch this and be like, oh, I'm going to watch this because I'm going to go get stuck on an island? Oh, we're taking one movie. I mean... It could just be a a movie that was on the plane when it crashed. You would watch that movie again and again and again happily. Of all the movies in the world. No, I'm going to watch it once and then I'm going to escape the island. What? No, you're not. You should watch... um, What's that turtle movie you love so much? The Red Turtle. Yeah, why don't you watch that for How to Get Off an Island? Yeah. I don't want to go get off the island that way. Because maybe it's not a good movie. Anyway, thanks for that movie with the Mrs. Podcast. Last one here is from Tuesdays with Mari. What's your favourite podcast to listen to and how were you inspired to start podcasting? Now, I think I'm pretty sure that, well, obviously the answer for how we got inspired is going to be the same. But for our favourite podcast to listen to, I feel like it's going to be, for me, the one that I started listening to from the very start. Now, we mentioned in the last podcast that we're very big fans of Survivor. And how I got into podcasting was I was actually I actually started to listen to Rob has a podcast and he is a former Survivor player who got uh, this huge podcast empire started yeah. by just yep. uh, podcasting about all different reality. Firstly about Survivor, but then he transitioned into Big Brother and all the other reality shows, and then he moved into scripted TV as well. He has a he has a massive massive empire of a podcast uh i got into listening to his podcast a couple of years into when he started doing it that's when i got dean into survivor that's how i got him onto a podcast he started listening to that too we both love it we listen to every episode mm. and that's basically how we got inspired to do podcasting yep. yeah yeah um i think that yeah i i spend hours hours and hours every week listening to rob has a podcast it's very, very entertaining. But you talk about being inspired to do a podcast. Also want to give a shout out to Four Finger Discount, a an Australian podcast that break down an episode of Simpsons each week. 
and I feel like they're just a couple of you know young Aussie blokes like we are, and I feel like that's much more relatable for uh, what we do. As as whereas Rob has this huge community, and not just of listeners, but a community of of podcasters that he works with. These two guys that do Four Finger Discount are just those two, and I really really enjoy it. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. Dando and Mitch, boom. Yes. Uh, so thank you very much Tuesday with Mari and thank you to all of you for your questions we look forward to getting our next batch of questions on the next podcast hmm. so I guess we're getting into a couple of Twitter poll results here for our last couple of movie drafts why don't we start with our best movies of the 1950s draft that we did on our Pars of Glory podcast ah yes just to refresh everyone's memory here uh, my team was 12 Angry Men Rear Window 7 Samurai The Searchers and The Bridge Over River Kuai Dean, what was yours? Mine was Some Like It Hot, Vertigo, North by Northwest, Singing in the Rain, and Rebel Without a Cause. So, Movie Reviews and 20Qs podcast said, 12 Angry Men, 7 Samurai, and Rear Window would definitely feature in my top 10 films of all time. So, those three and two, yeah, pretty good films, are enough to just pip a really solid other five. Also, one here from the Coming Off the Reels podcast said, Daniel takes it this week with Rear Window alone. We Watch the Thing podcast said, Daniel, all Daniel this week, you've earned it. Thank you for that one. From Flix X-Raid, Dean won me over with his Sing in the Rain choice. Mackenzie Lambert said, tough call, but Daniel just edges it out with Seven Samurai. And Cinematically Correct Podcast said, this one's tough for me, but I think I'll go with Daniel, mostly for Rear Window. And from Dregs of Craig said, we have to cast our vote for Team Daniel. Super, super tough choice, though. But it didn't really look like a super, super tough choice here, as after 58 votes, 74% to Team Daniel. That is a slaughtering. That's a blowout. Yes. It is a blowout. So, it was it was bound to happen eventually. I have won most of these polls, obviously. My list Look at him reminiscing. Generally, generally much You're much living better. in the past. But yeah, this Could week... Could in the past, man. This week you got, so well done to you. All right, why don't we go with our other poll then, shall we? Our mega movie draft, where we drafted our movies that we think should be in the top 250. And just another refresh here, my team is Casino Royale, Hero, Clerks, Shaun of the Dead, Adaptation, Magnolia... Her, Moonlight, Children of Men, and The French Connection. And mine are Saw, The Last Samurai, American Psycho, True Lies, Almost Famous, Closer, Animal Kingdom, Dog Day Afternoon, Dumb and Dumber, and The Frighteners. And again from the Movie Reviews and 20Qs podcast, said, Damn, Daniel, damn, that was impressive. I can't disagree with that. From Movie Geek and Proud, Dean, you and I have the same taste. I love that you had the Frighteners and Saw on your list. True classics. But I have to go with Daniel's over overall team on this one. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Another one here from Films on Trial, Shaun of the Dead, Moonlight and French Connection. Daniel every day of the week here. Closer should be closer to the bottom 100 than the top 250 for me. Oh. What a load of old bollocks. Old bollocks. Matt Neglia from the Next Best Picture podcast said, Team Daniel and it's not even close. Ryan McQuaid said, Very true. The only movie I don't like of his is Hero, but I can't get over that if I get to see her, Moonlight, and Children of Men over and over again. The Contrarians piped in and said, Like I said right after listening to your episode, Magnolia blows away the competition. The recasting couch podcast had to go, Dean, only because Almost Famous is one of my favourite movies of all time. From Melissa at the Brook Reading Podcast, Wow, for me, it came down to Clerks versus Last Samurai, so I'm going to have to go Team Dean. Ghost of the Stratosphere Podcast said, Daniel takes it for Shaun of the Dead. Press to Reject said, Gotta go Team Daniel. Coming off the reel said, Going with Daniel this week for sure, but I do agree with Dean that True Lies is a damn treasure. Movie with the misses. Casino Royale is probably top face for me, plus Shaun of the Dead and Children of Men. Sorry, Dino. That's okay. The 
films remember badly podcast said I've come to the conclusion that both lists are excellent but Daniel gets it just for Shaun of the Dead and Casino Royale True Lies and the Last Samurai nearly won me over though Dean and the pop-up film cast said Daniel coasting on this one and he's not wrong because 62 votes later 68% to Team Daniel just another slaughtering everyone finally has realised who is the ultimate drafter you're an idiot <laughs> yep so that is two films to give to Dean this week, but we've got a shot for number three because it's time for our... Pub quiz, asshole. All right, Dean, why don't you start it off, mate? In The Hangover, Doug and his pals rent a villa at which Vegas hotel? <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to start thinking of casinos in Vegas. The Rio? The Bellagio? It's not the Bellagio. Caesars. Caesars Palace. Correct. I'm surprised that took you so long. I actually thought that was pretty easy. No, 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 I don't remember it from the movie. That's that famous joke. Do, is, is Caesar here or does he live here, whatever it is? Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right, well done. In the movie Dodgeball, ESPN 8 is known by this nickname. ESPN 8 is known by which name? Nah, I got no idea. It's the Ocho. Channel Ocho. Who went on a ride-along in 2014 and was a wedding ringer in 2015? Kevin Hart. Correct. Dean. Rowan Atkinson played this slow-witted misfit on TV and in a 1997 film. Mr. Ben. Yeah. Alright, so 2-1. What moon of Neptune... <laughs> oh, sorry, that's just a funny way to start. What moon of Neptune shares its name with the Little Mermaid's father? Triton. Correct. Dean. Sai and Am are twin cats in this animated Disney classic. Lady and the Tramp. Yes, very good. I was nearly going to hit out Aristocats. I was thinking Aristocats. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Uh, the Magnificent Seven were led by Yul Brenner in 1960 and which equaliser in 2016? Denzel Washington. Correct. <clears throat> Dean, Dark of the Moon and Age of Extinction are subtitles of films in this series. Transformers. Very good. Gamma, Beta and Doug are talking dogs in which 2009 Disney film? Up. Correct. Which means I've lost. Yeah, and like it matters, but also a cinnamon... Cinnamon? <laughs> also a synonym for a very strong win. It's Dorothy's last name in The Wizard of Oz. Gale. Very good. That, four to five. Boom! Um, a triple! Clean sweep. All right. Hey, do you remember when you used to be good at these things? <laughs> oh, listen to you. <laughs> All right. Okay. For my first film, I'm going to go with a film from the 80s, okay? Mm. Now, you are, I guess, an obscure 80s movie connoisseur. Sure. Sure. But this is a movie that's very 80s. Not, not obscure. It's, it's, it's a bit well-known 80s film. Mm. And it's actually the movie that features the character of Mama Fratelli yeah. that we had no idea who it was from. <laughs> but I am going to make you watch The Goonies. Very good. That'll be fun. My next film, I guess you could say you have a love-hate relationship with Mr. Charlie Kaufman, wouldn't you agree? It's mainly love. Well, let's hope that you love Anomalisa, then. Anomalisa. Okay. Very good. And for my last film here, I'm going to go with a film... I've got a couple of foreign films here that I haven't seen, and they're quite recent, and I would like to get your opinion on at least one of them, so... The one I'm going to choose this week is Train to Busan. Okay. They look like movies I will watch. <laughs> that is correct. Okay, now it's time to get into this week's... DVD Challenge. The 
the games begin. Challenge accepted. Where we'll be drafting movies remade from a foreign language version. And this week it is my turn to go first. Yes, conveniently, your turn to go first. Okay, my first pick is going to be the remake of Infernal Affairs, The Departed. Yeah, a very obvious first pick off the board. Uh, I will take with my first two, give me a remake of Let the Right One In, Let Me In, and give me a remake of the 1997 film by the same name, Insomnia. Okay, alright, my second pick here is going to be the remake of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by the same name, David Finch's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. My number three pick here is going to be the remake of Ringu, which is The Ring. Very good. I'll take the remake of La Jetée, 12 Monkeys. Very good. And the remake of the 1960 French film, Purple Noon, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Okay. I'm going to take the remake of the French film, The Total, which is True Lies. And for my final pick... I'm going to go with a remake of a Kurosawa film, Seven Samurai, with the 1960s version of The Magnificent Seven. And your last pick, Dean. I'm going to go with Jimbo's remake, A Fistful of Dollars. Okay. So that's going to be our movie draft for this week. We'll put a poll up on Twitter about 24 hours after this podcast comes out, and you can go ahead and vote on who has the best draft. So, what's next? All right, let's see what movie we're going to be breaking down next week. Hit that random number generator. Dean, we have number 207. 207, which is Logan. All right. All right. We're going to do Logan. Logan. Okay. That'll be exciting. It's going to be a good one. Well, they're all good. Are they? Well, there's your Jimbo. Um, Logan, okay. I've seen this twice in the last year. This will be good. Be good. That'd be good. I've only seen it once. It'd be really good to go back and revisit it and get stuck into it. Okay. All right. So we'll watch Logan this week. Logan. Everyone, get out there and watch it yourselves. Get some reviews in if you like. Go ahead and send us a tweet over at our Twitter account at IMDb Journey, or you can send us an email at imdbjourney at gmail.com with any reviews or questions for us. All right. So we're going to take a break, maybe crack another beer, and we'll give you a promo from the Reels Feels podcast. And we'll be back on the other side with what else we've been watching, but that's going to do it for Yajimbo. Hey, everybody, it's Drew. And Nathan. And we're coming to you from the Real Feels Podcast. Hey, Nathan, do you like movies? I love movies. Do you like talking about movies? I could talk about movies for a while. Hey, you know what? That's pretty great because we're on every other Wednesday and we're going to bring a new movie to all of these fans. All 400,000 of them. 400,000. We're going to divide that by about 400,000. And <laughs> how about how about some new movies, Nathan? Ooh, some classics. And uh, maybe some childhood favorites. And we can't forget the guilty pleasures. I love some guilty pleasures. You know what, with these movies, I think we should talk about some of our favorite scenes. By far our favorite quotes. I'm definitely. And you know what, anything else that basically just pops into our head. I like it. How about you guys meet us here, like I said, every other Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel, on your favorite podcasting apps. 
iTunes, Podbean, and hey, don't forget us on social media. Look for us on Facebook and Twitter. The Real Feels Podcast. Hey, I hear it's the realest. Okay, now we get to this part of the podcast where we talk in a spoiler-free sense. Sense. Thank you, Hendo. Um, so we're going to talk about the other movies we've watched over the last since the last podcast, and we will not be spoiling them for you. So if you haven't seen what we're talking about, do not fear. We will not ruin it for you. We may ruin that they're shit or good, but we won't ruin anything specific about the film. Well, that's all a matter of opinion, isn't that's it? That's true. That is true. But in saying that, in our a little bit of extra time here, Dean, how many films have you seen? I've seen 18. 18 movies. How many, how many have you seen? I saw 16. 16? Yeah. And I must say, actually, this was a rough set of 16. Really? <laughs> yeah. Out of, out of these 16, it's 50-50. Eight of them, I recommend. Fair enough. I think um, I had a very broad specter of movies. I'd probably recommend... I mean, it depends on the movie. Um, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it as, as we go. Do What are your classes I recommend? Three or two and a half? Three. Three. It needs to be more than 50%. Well, I've got, I got nine above three. So, halfway. Yep. Okay. All right, so why don't we start with you, Dean? Let's start with me. Oh, shit, there was actually one I actually forgot that I've seen, so I've added that one into my rankings. Okay, so 19. Yeah, 19. Keep up, Endo. What, with how many you watched? I will. I'll try to. We'll see. Okay, so the worst movie I watched was a sequel to a pretty good action movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Okay, so I watched (laughs) Escape Plan 2. Now... I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> it's it's oh, so bad. You it that. is so bad. And I did you watch the first one? Yeah, yeah I watched it. I was Schwarzenegger. And, did you like it? Uh, I think I think so. I think yeah, it was I didn't mind away, it. Whatever. Stallone and Schwarzenegger were yeah. the stars. They were getting into fights. It was Schwarzenegger's not in this one. Schwarzenegger's not in it. Oh, Stallone is barely in it. Okay, but his giant mug is right there on the poster as well. You've got Dave Bautista as well as this huge star of the film. He's barely in it as well. <laughs> I'm telling you, the main character is not either of those people, and he is so boring. There is, it is, there is so much senseless, super technical, you know, martial arts-style fighting in this, yeah. and, man, I was just lost watching it. It is so boring. So, so boring. I gave that... Point five, half a star. The worst. The worst I could give it. Yeah, don't watch that. It's so bad. I almost watched it during this time. Oh, I wish you had. I'm not now. It's so bad. I was hoping for like a, again, like like a, the original escape plan. No, it's not fun. The first one was fun. Yeah. This one is just, oh, it's just absolute snooze fest. Yeah, I wouldn't watch that, guys. Speaking of really bad, I also watched uh, Life of the Party. Why? I don't know. I watched it by myself as well. I can't even. Oh, I can't are you even blame, Yeah, I can't even blame the missus. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, like, oh, you had to watch it with Brit. You uh, watched it by yourself. I watched it by myself one uh, Wednesday morning. It was, uh, yeah, it was trash. I mean, she's she is so annoying. She's terrible. Yeah, she she Melissa McCarthy is a nightmare. This movie is so poorly written. That I just, I don't understand who the target audience for this film is because all the women in it and like women are mainly the main characters and they're all so dumb and they act so dumb all the time and it's, it's just laughed off and like there's weird sexual relations with, you know, between her and like this 20 year old and it's just awkward. The whole thing is just 
obviously incredibly unrealistic, but yeah, it's just a shit show from start to finish. I will not be watching this film, even before your review. And like, I thought it was over at like the 50 minute mark. And I like, I didn't realize it was, it was like halfway. I was like, oh my God, what are they going to do now? Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. We did get a couple of, uh, tweets on Twitter, obviously, uh, from Familiar Strangers podcast. She's my crush. Seriously. Ha ha. I hope you're not being serious. Ha ha. Uh, let's look at Cinematically Correct have said, I'm so behind on Melissa McCarthy movies, even though I think she is awesome. Are you serious, guys? I agree with half of that statement. Yeah, I don't know. The first half. The first half. The, 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 the part about her being your crush. The, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm so far behind on Melissa McCarthy movies. Yeah, she's got a lot of garbage out there. And uh, honestly, I haven't seen them either. Like, I haven't seen most of her stuff. I like Bridesmaids, but not because of her. Yep. And Spy was the worst film of 2015. I haven't seen me. that. Oh, no. It's just, it's just god awful. The next one on my list is a movie that you made me watch, um, which has a pretty decent following. I found out it's called uh, What We Do in the Shadows. <gasps> oh my god, I didn't like this movie. No, I didn't like it at all. Um, I actually, like, it's obviously. It's not unwatchable. It's just. Well, you just said it was. Nah, but I can understand people enjoying this film i can watch it and say yeah what they're doing here it is original and whilst the humor is not my type of humor i didn't find it really funny at all the whole dark haunted house set i mean it's not haunted but the whole dark house which is a majority of the setting it's not enjoyable to look at it's not an enjoyable watch again like the jokes just miss 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 for me but humor is very subjective obviously there is a lot that uh, people like from this. Shit happens when you party naked. They love that movie. Mackenzie Lambert says, a hilarious mockumentary in the vein of Christopher Guest with the unique New Zealand humour to boot. Gidget Von LaRue says, love what we do in the shadows. A mad scientist... What We Do in the Shadows is a fantastic mockumentary, instantly quotable. It's a hilarious look at vampires out of touch with modern times. I highly recommend this to everyone and anyone, except me. Rob Butler, freaking hilarious flick. I will watch it at least once a month. See, I'm, I'm just not getting it. Maybe you should watch it and see if you like it, because there, as I said, there's a lot of love for it out there, but yeah, I did not enjoy it at all. Mm, okay, fair enough. I'm probably still going to watch it. Oh, I want you to watch it. Okay, my... Fourth worst movie I watched was Rampage. Oh, we can talk about that now because that's my number 13 on my 16. So it's, it's yeah. I, it's it's down there for you too. Yeah, so let's just talk about it. Okay. I mean, it's got The Rock in it. So you get some instant points there. He's quite watchable, quite likable. Honestly, that's probably the only points he gets from me. I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it. Uh, Negan is in it, you mean? He wasn't as Negan-ish as I was expecting him to be, in all fairness. He's in it. He's fine. What else? Nothing. It's terrible. The gorillas and, and albino, which is interesting. It, action is boring as hell. The there's, CGI there's is big wolves. terrible. Um, villains. Oh my god. What are the villains? Oh yeah. Um, These are two of the worst. Oh, what's her name? Acted. Malin Ackerman. The top, yep. Over the top, cartoony, non-threatening, most embarrassing villains I've ever seen in any movie. Yeah, they're not great. I mean, the movie's not great. If, oh, I was bored. To, I was same like Escape Plan Two for you. I was hoping to just have some fun with this film. No, it's a pile of garbage. 
I mean, in in fairness, it was about where I expected it to be. No, I expected it to be where I usually put most of the rock films. Enjoyable enough that I can say, yeah, I had fun with that. No, even he's not that good in it. He's just, he's just, he's just doing his rock shtick, but there's nothing special about this one. It's, it's not like Jumanji. Like, he's really good in Jumanji. Like, he's very charismatic in that film. This, he is so. He's so serious. It's not a good, it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, doesn't take a genius to work out this film is not that good. No, it's not. I'm looking forward to Skyscraper, though. See, <laughs> I think... <laughs> That's like Die Hard in a building. Uh, I'm probably going to see it still, but I'm, oh, gonna, yeah. I'm not going to like it. <laughs> and uh, it does seem like all you guys kind of agree with us because, uh, yeah, Paul, uh, Countdown of Movie TV podcast, said a festering bile of appropriately great ape shit. <laughs> yeah, like, it's completely agree here. Movie with the misses. Now, they got a little bit of a, a different opinion here. So, lots of fun. Much left to desire. The words cool and dumb came out of my mouth a few times, exiting the theater. 50% for me. So, fair enough, Serenity. Like, that's that's all you really want. You want to get some enjoyment out of it. And if you enjoyed it, that's fine. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> Steve from the Everything I Learned from Movies podcast said, just when you thought cinema couldn't get any better, movie of the year. Okay, maybe top five. I enjoyed its ridiculousness. That's fair enough. Pop-up film cast said, fun movie, exactly what I expected. The Lazy Stoner said, is it a good movie? Not by any stretch of the imagination. Is it entertaining as hell? You bet your ass it is. And the Mustache Movie News said, I thought it was over-the-top ridiculous fun. Yep, fair enough. Yeah, it's about what it is. Yep. Minus the fun. <laughs> okay, my number 15th lowest, best, 15th best, fourth worst, fifth worst? Anyway. I think they're all correct. Next one. Well, it can't be fourth and fifth worst. <laughs> Next one on the list for me is Beirut. Uh, Sorry, what? Beirut. What is that? Is that a film? You have me on? Have you not heard of this film? No, I've heard of it. Yeah. It's a film set in Beirut. It stars John Hamm and Rosamund Pike. It's like a terroristy movie. A um, okay. lot of negotiation stuff going on. Yeah, so this movie, um, it's, it's not bad. Like, I give it two and a half. It's... There's a lot to it. Like, John Hamm is pretty good in it. Rosamund Pike does nothing. Her character feels completely useless. But um, it's also got the the abusive boyfriend from Dexter in it. You know him if you saw him. Um, he's actually not bad in it either. But it's a slow film about politics and terrorism in Beirut. The scenes that are where it's on, where it's really on, really work. It's just they're so few and far between. A lot of it is just boring politics um, being talked about, which I didn't really care for. Thankfully, John Hamm is in pretty much every single scene, and I do like watching him. So, yeah, it's not bad. Eh, would I recommend it? Eh, probably not, but you get the, you get the point. I mean, I know I've only got a small sample size, but I think everything I've seen John Hamm in, I, I really enjoyed him in. Like, the, from what I've seen of Mad Men, really like him in that. Baby Driver, the the Black Mirror episode was fantastic. Mm. Yep. That's probably about it. Yeah. yeah. Can't think of anything I else. I mean, obviously, Mad Men is just a superstar TV show, and he's a superstar in it. So, yeah. I'll, I'll never not love John Hamm from Mad Men days. He's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we kick it over to me? We've already said my number 13, but I'm going to go rattle off my 14, 15, and 16 here because these films... Oh, man, they were just terrible. Let's start with my number 14, because this this is a Netflix film that came out this year. Yep. I looked at it, I'm like, oh, 75 minutes long. I can get through this. This might be all right. It's Six Balloons. Yep. Animated? No. This has... Are there any turtles in it? <laughs> no. No, because then it would be good. 
This it is, would be arty. This is the prequel to Up. Because <laughs> there's not as many as... Yeah, I, we got it. We I, got it. I didn't sound like you did. Sound like you'd be confused with what I no, said. No, no, no. Anyway, Six Balloons. It's 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 awful. It's, What's it about? Yeah, it's set over the course of one night, and it, it's about a woman who Oh, drives. like Good Time. Yeah, but Good Time is a great time. This is not any of those. It's about a woman who drives across LA with a heroin addict brother played by Dave Franco and they're basically searching for a detox center all while bringing along his two-year-old daughter as well. And she's just trying to get to her boyfriend's surprise birthday party, which she's, which she has set up, but she has to go do this instead. And a 75-minute movie, and it felt like two and a half hours. Like, it's so slow. And there is no likable character in this film. They all make the most terrible decisions at well, every point she can't she's just there okay did you not like her there, there's nothing about her she's just so there. you didn't like her no why not because she didn't do anything there's nothing to like about the things she does she's just she's there two years old i'm sure she was fine in it she did nothing she's just there this film uh, it's like i said every character makes the dumbest stupidest decision that they can make in this film it's incredibly depressing there's no redeeming qualities the ending they try to go for some redemption it doesn't work it's horrible. I hated it. It was depressing. Yeah. So you felt depressed watching it? It's depressing in a fuck this movie depressing like it had Like it had an emotional impact on you? Yeah. I mean, a that's negative, something. A negative emotional impact. Oh, it affected your emotions, though. Yeah? Does that make it a good film? I mean, it's something. Okay, good on it. Good on your film. <laughs> You're still terrible. We've got a couple of comments here about Six Balloons. One's from Tuesday with Mari saying, Haven't seen this, but the trailer shows Dave Franco really acting. Seems like a worthy watch. It's not. And Cinematically Correct said, I've never even heard of this one. Well, I'm sorry that I brought this film to your attention, but listen to me now. Just don't watch it. All right, what else is there? Uh, number 15 for me is a film that you recommended. Oh, good. Valhalla Rising. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your mate, Mads, is in it. Yeah, he's in it, and he's a mute. So, just take away everything there. What? He doesn't talk. He just... He doesn't even do that. He doesn't even... <laughs> he... I'm thinking... I'm, I'm about 10 minutes into this film, like, what the fuck is going on in this film? And then I... Did you struggle to understand I it? I looked it up. It's directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Fuck that guy. He... God Only Forgives is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Yep. Drivers... Uh, like, I... Mm. Uh, this film... Can you talk more about Drive? No, I'd rather than talk about this. Like, what the hell is this film? It's very religious. It's a religious film. How dare they? Like, but there's these spats of this insane... Was Jesus over Christ the... in it, though? Shut up and let I'm me talk. just asking. <laughs> there's weird spats of over-the-top gore that don't make any sense in the, the theme of it. It's, it's tedious. Crucifixion. I was bored from start to finish. There's It's so pretentious. Like, it's... Up its own ass. This this guy. Like if, if I if you had rec- if you said you're watching Valhalla Rising, and then I looked up at that point, I probably would have like asked you if I could watch three other films instead of watching this film. Why? It's highly critically received, isn't it? No, I, I don't know. I fucking hated it. That's what I think. No. And I thought for sure. I thought for sure this was going to be my worst film that I watched. But then I put on Truth or Dare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is terrible yeah i had a i had the uh opportunity to watch that uh yesterday and i said no i will not watch that it looks terrible it's you could probably get some enjoyment out of it for laughing at how bad it is like it's a horror it's a horror like like quote unquote horror Mm. but it's just everyone makes the dumbest decisions they can do the ending is one of the worst endings i've ever seen in a movie 
they seem to just make up these rules in this film as they go along. None of the characters are likable. There's like 500 jump scares in it. I dare you to say something positive about this film right now. Legitimately, I cannot think of anything positive about this film. It is a 0.5 star film for me. It is the worst of the worst. I'm sitting there rolling my eyes at everything that's happening, throwing my hands up in the air at how stupid these people are. (laughs) Fuck this movie. That's the truth. And I dare you to watch it. (laughs) You're lucky I didn't make you watch it. No, I will not be watching it unless you make me, which would be a dick move. We've also got some reviews here from this terrible film from you guys on Twitter. One from the Silver Screen Show said, Legit worst movie of 2018 by far. I can't say I disagree with you there. Also from the Mongoose Movie Reviews said, The trailers made this out to be a horror movie, but I laughed the entire time. Only since the Bye Bye Man have I laughed through a serious movie like that. Also from the Movie Geek and Proud podcast, Honesty is the best policy. Truth or Dare had the potential to be great. It was just okay. Not scary enough and predictable, but having to tell the truth against your will, those bits were good. Happy Death Day and Wish Upon was a bit more entertaining. Thank you very much for that, guys. Okay, my 14th is The Tale. Okay. Um, I watched this too. We can talk about this now as well because I didn't like it as well. Yeah, this one was an interesting one. Laura Dern, I actually think, is really good in it. Yeah, well, let's just let's just give a quick, as spoiler-free as we can here. It's a true story about an investigation into a woman's memory as she's she's forced to re-examine her first sexual relationship and the stories that we tell ourselves in order to survive is actually directed by the person that they're talking about here so she had full control over this film that's good obviously it's pretty accurate yeah yeah i didn't i mean i didn't hate it um laura dern's fantastic in it the subject matter is i mean it's disturbing it's very disturbing in parts it's a very uncomfortable story yeah it is i'm glad i watched it with my wife i think she probably enjoyed it more than i did but I did like there was there was a lot of interesting like philosophical ideas in there which did cause you to think after the movie. I did you know I did think about this movie after I'd finished. It did have an impact on me. Yeah, me too. The ending is atrocious though. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, yeah, I felt it ended very abruptly. Yeah, the ending is terrible, but the the start, the setup and I was I was invested in this character. I was invested in what took place and what memories are being uncovered. It just it is an uncomfortable movie to watch at times. Yeah, and I think that's what really dropped it for me. It's just that it felt I know that the story is true, but again it just felt really It almost makes it worse. Yeah. And Laura Dern, she's she's really good in it. Yeah, she is. She is really good in it. Yeah, I think I think uncomfortable is just the best thing mm. to describe mm. this film. But it's always going to be. Yeah. And like like you said, I agree with you. I don't hate the film. Yeah. Like, for, for me on my list here, it's at number nine. Yeah. So, it's it's just before, a re- like, the recommend side of it. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, I can see why people would think this is a really good film. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, this is more of a... You, you could probably... Yeah, you guys out there listening, you can probably go see this and make your own call for this one. Like... It just didn't work for me, and no. it didn't work for you. No. All right, so my 13 was Rampage. What's your number 13? My 13 was Tomb Raider. Ooh, you <laughs> Tomb Raider. Okay. Tomb Raider. All right. I, I think I definitely liked it more than you did. What'd you give it? Two and a half. I gave it two. Okay. I just felt like your review was very negative of it. Well, it's not a good film. <laughs> yeah, I, it's... Yeah, I mean, it is a good film. It's fine. Like, at least you... You just be- said you gave it two and a half, and you said it's a good film. Two and a half. It's okay. It's no. Okay. Two no. and a half. Whatever. 
Where's the line between good and bad? Yeah, but you judge you judge movies on what they are. Like for what it is, it's it's good. It was never gonna be a fantastic piece of cinema. For what it is, when I started watching, I was like, yeah, this is okay. Like it's not confusing, easy to follow, action's okay. You complain there wasn't enough puzzles. I don't know why that's a negative, but I thought it was fine. Like yeah, it was a easy to watch throwaway action film that I think oh. it was less than throwaway I think it was generic I think they need it needs it needed to be more if I want to be entertained by something like this I'm not just going to go and look at the hundreds and hundreds of generic action films out there I want to watch something that's, that's going to be a bit better this is a, this felt right in that pile of forgettable generic action films and that's not what I'm looking for yeah okay so, so it's not a good film okay good that's your opinion I didn't mind it I did not mind it at all would you watch it again never <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your next movie? Such a dickhead. <laughs> Never in my life. <laughs> my number 12 is Taken 2. Okay. Yeah. Random? No, I will I watch Taken, which is on the list further up. So, we watch Taken 2. And this this is a massive dip from the original, clearly. It I felt like if it needed to succeed, it needed to be its own film, but instead it tried to be like the first film, but with like the roles reversed. And that's not enough to make it a good film. Like, if they're going to try and repeat the same film that's so great, they're always going to fail. So I'm not going to go into any further of this. Like, if you're going to watch Taken over Taken, if you're going to pick, if you've got Taken and Taken 2 there, it's always going to be Taken. And you don't even need to bother with this one. It's not, it's just a watered down version of Taken. There's no need for it. And don't even get me started on the third one. Just Is that higher up on your list as well? No, I didn't watch that one. Oh, you're saving it for a special night? <laughs> yeah, when I want to fall asleep. <laughs> I need to get up early for work tomorrow. I'm going to watch Taken 3. <laughs> My number 12 uh, is Death of Superman, an animated DC movie. Shocker that you watched another animated DC film. That's not good. It's fine. <laughs> it's Okay. I mean, yeah. The problem I had with this movie is that there is already an animated DC film that tells the exact same story. Uh, I think it's called Superman Doomsday. Um, Not a very original title, but it tells the exact same story. Beat for beat. Like, it's a very... Isn't this title a bit spoilery? I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a very, very famous um, Superman comic. I think it's called Death of Superman. Uh... Which it just, it, it runs through bit for bit. And it's very, very good. I just felt watching it that it was pointless. There's some very odd voice actors chosen. Rain Wilson is Lex Luthor, which I find very strange. Really took me out of it every time he spoke. You just pictured Dwight? Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, yeah. It just didn't fit. But, you know, again, it's short. It's basically what I expected. And yeah, it was fine. I wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't recommend it to people to watch. Uh, frank, frankly, I think Superman Doomsday is better. But I think they are going to make a part two of it to tell the um, other side of the story, whereas in Superman Doomsday, they did condense it down a bit all into into one movie, whereas this one's breaking it up into two parts. So it is okay. a bit more extended, but I just didn't feel like it was uh, required. All right, what's your number 11? My number 11 film is Revenge. This is a French film, and it's basically about a... A woman who's with a married man and they go out to like a, uh, they go on a trip and two of his friends show up as well and things kind of get a bit out of hand and it basically ends up in everyone trying to kill each other. Actually, I'll say that again. It ends up in the men trying to kill the woman and the woman trying to kill the men. 
Okay, just through things that happen. Yep. And the problem with this film is that there's only there's only four people in it. That's it. Okay, there's the four. There's the three men. So it was French. Yeah, the three men and the, the woman. I didn't like or care about any of these people. The men are just just generic villains, I guess. They're, there's nothing three dimensional or back like that. You get no background about them. They're just basically there as like fodder. There was potential for the woman because she is the the main role in this, but they focus so much on these three guys at certain points that they could have dedicated to this woman. I just didn't get anything from her out of this. Their violence is like unnecessarily over the top, mm. like so much blood that it so much blood that it becomes unbelievable. Like there's no way someone bleeds that much and is still running around. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, there's unnecessary. There's, there's actually just one, one unnecessary jump scare that was so telegraphed, uh, implausible. The the film just, I feel like the film just tried to be this shocking, somewhat gory film, and it didn't work on a story level or a character level, and that's why it's not a good film. That's a shame. My number 11 is Ocean's 8. Good afternoon, Miss Ocean. As you know, parole is a privilege. It's a mistake. Uh... But it, it happened. And um, if I were to be released, I would... Um, <clears throat> I would just want the simple life. I just want to hold down a job, make some friends. You know, pay my bills. Even if this was possible, you'd need 20 people. Seven people. Why do you need to do this? Because it's what I'm good at. Okay, let's talk about it. I've seen it too. It's on my list. Yep, I've seen it. It's it's just, it's so completely unnecessary. It is only this high on my list at number 11, just due to the sheer charisma of its leading cast. Like, the cast is very good. And they do shine through just naturally from being so good at what they do. But on the whole, the, the whole, like, it peaks so early in the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, and the the last act is so... It's just like a really, really long epilogue. There's this whole thing where they're trying to connect it back to the original trilogy with Danny Ocean. Obviously, Sandra Bullock's character is his sister. And they keep going back to this thing, trying to make sure we remember it's part of the, you know, same storyline. And I was expecting that to go somewhere, and it never really did. And... Yeah, the, and the whole it's like the they action- kind of used it just to to cater to the oceans fans. Yeah, it's like, hey, we we are part of this universe. Like, there is a couple of small cameos from some of the original yeah. oceans crew yeah, there to tie that in. Yeah, which is fine for me. Like, if you want to, if if you're going to keep it loosely based on that, have a, one or two cameos here is fine. Yep, yep, they're fine. I'll get my thoughts in here as well. Yep, like, I think this was just fun enough. Okay, see, I think like Sandra Bullock. Anne Hathaway, and surprisingly, Rihanna, I think, were the three big standouts for me here. I thought that was really good in this film, especially Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway was killer in this. I, I really enjoyed her character, her performance. Having said that, it's nowhere near as good as the original. I mean, no, it's, it's nowhere not, near. No, it's not even close. No. Like, I think the overall heist itself was a little bit... Basic. Lackluster. Yeah, yeah. it was really just... That's and that, it. And that last third was so weak. Yeah. And it's got... James fucking Corden <laughs> in it. Yeah, I did notice that. Oh, fuck that guy. Uh, 
and I think Kate Blanchett was a bit underused in the film as well. She's she's so much better than what she is in this film. Yeah. But for me, you can just sit down, slam a beer, eat some popcorn, and you can enjoy this film. I, I enjoyed it just. Yeah, I enjoyed parts of it, but it just tried so hard to be Ocean's Eleven, and it just failed. Like 12 and 13? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 13's not bad. 12's terrible. I didn't like either of those. At least, at least 13 has Al Pacino in it. Yeah. All right, from movies with the misses, went in with minor expectations for Ocean's 8 and still left a little disappointed. With bland characters to invest in and a heist that is by the numbers with little twists and turns, this one doesn't live up to the OG trilogy. Hathaway was great. Corden took me out. Two and a half. I agree with Corden. Not Hathaway? I agree with both. <laughs> with <coughs> both. I agree, I agree with both. I agree with both. Yeah, no, I think the first line, you know, you go in with low expectations and you still come out a bit disappointed. Yeah. I think that's very accurate. All right, so my number 10 is a movie that just came out recently. It's called Flower. And this film is about a, a sexually curious teen played by Zoe Deutsch, who forms an unorthodox... I think it's pronounced Duchanel. That's not that person. <laughs> God. God. She, she, she forms an unorthodox kinship with her mentally unstable stepbrother. And I think that she's actually really good in this film. She's probably the standout of it. Problem is, it's very boring at mm. a lot of points in this film. The tone kind of shifts sharply at several times during the film. It takes this very weird turn midway through that just veered it off course like it was really it was really good for the first half and then it just changed direction and i never came back from it it had potential to be a lot better but they went a certain way and it floundered because of it so i would say give this one a miss we did get a review here from derek vigiant he says her best performance yet really enjoyed this film wasn't totally in love with the ending but it but it didn't take much away from an overall satisfied viewing fair enough my number 10 was guardians of the galaxy volume 2 okay I don't have too much to say about it. It's not as bad as I remembered, but it's still not one of the uh, better Marvel ones. Kurt Russell's pretty annoying in it. Chris Pratt's okay. The Guardians have a natural chemistry, which carry the film in general, which makes it just passable for me. All right. Yeah, fair enough. I, I didn't like it when I saw it. Maybe if I watch it again, maybe. But... It wasn't as bad as I thought. Okay. Well, my number nine was The Tale. Okay, very high. I didn't realize you liked it that much. Number nine for me is... Unsane. All right, I'll watch that too. Yeah, so this is the Steven Soderbergh film that he filmed on his iPhone, whatever number it was. Was it 7? I don't know. Yeah, I think he filmed the whole thing on an iPhone 7. But looking past the technical aspects of it, the film's actually pretty good. It does play with the audience's expectations of, you know, like... You're talking about someone who goes into a mental institution who believes that she shouldn't be there and there's been a mistake, so... There's an element of mystery to it. It's thrilling. It's violent in parts. And, yeah, I, I did enjoy this movie a fair bit, actually. Surprisingly so. I actually went in watching it thinking this was going to be really B-grade, but it's much better than I expected. Yeah, I agree. I think that the the use of the iPhone gives it this claustrophobic feel. Mm. Like, the, the very close-ups of the faces due, like in the mental institution, it really creates that like mental instability. I think Claire Foy was really good in it. Like you said, there's there's moments of violence that are they're well earned, mm. I think. The I think the 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 slight letdown for me is the 
I guess, the, is the lack of character development with the stalker. I think there just wasn't enough there for me to get that fear from him, I guess. Okay. I yeah. would disagree. I felt they did an all right job with him and his backstory and showing, you know, why he is the way he is. So, yeah, no, but, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this film. I, good. I think it was a great watch. Very good. couple of reviews here. One from the St. Paul Film Cast said, four out of five. Yep, that's Juno Temple. You may not recognize her. I didn't recognize her because I don't know who Juno Temple is. Sorry. Do you know who Juno Temple is? Yeah, I do. Oh, like, but out of this film, you know who she is? Yeah, I didn't oh, realize okay. she was in this film. She's the Dreadlocks. Oh, okay. Girl. Yeah, no, she's in, um, yeah, no, I know her from Killer Joe and also she's in The Dark Knight Rises. All right, no worries. Uh, another review here from Hop Nation USA said, two and a half out of five, way too obvious it was shot on an iPhone, too much inappropriate use of the fisheye lens, well executed early on with the frustration and horror of being trapped in a nut house when you're not crazy, the lack of ambiguity those surrounding the stalker makes the film fall apart. Yeah, I uh, agree with the back half of that and disagree with the front, but cool. All right, no worries. So my number eight was Ocean's Eight. Dean, what's your number eight? My number eight is Boy. Boy? Boy, yeah, boy. Um, yeah, this was really fun. I like this movie. I like this movie a fair bit. It's obviously set in New Zealand. It follows around this boy in a very, very low um, socioeconomic environment. And the things that he has to do as a young fella are quite surprising. The movie focuses a lot about uh, the relationship between the boy and his father, who's actually played by the director, Taiki Waititi. And that's probably the best thing about it, seeing their relationship. But... For what it is, like, I, I imagine this would be pretty uh, quintessential New Zealand viewing. I think it does. It's it's super New Zealand all the time. And for what the movie sets out to do, I think it really does accomplish it with um, flying colours, to be honest. Two Kiwis have reviewed. Uh, movie reviews in 20Q's podcast say, As Kiwis, you'll never guess what, but yep, we've seen it. Captures a side of New Zealand that's never seen in media. Totally loved it. An early stepping stone on Taika Waititi's ascension. From the Flicks forecast, I have seen it. It was a really big deal in New Zealand. I loved all the attention to detail to portray New Zealand in the 80s, but I felt like that's all it was, though. A nostalgia trip. Not bad, but a bit overhyped. Fair enough. Okay, my number seven film is a film that you recommended to me, or you made me watch. It's The Fall. Oh, yep, yep. The um, the patient recapping a story. Yes. Uh, yeah, patient recapping a story to a young girl. Yep. Not so much a... a it's a... It's a a made-up story about a couple of mythical creatures who have to, who are out on a revenge mission to kill someone who has wronged them all. Mm. And this film is, it's good. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's not great. It definitely overstays its welcome. There's a lot of uh, going back and forth between the sto- like the fantasy story and inside the hospital and I felt they did that a bit too much throughout the movie. Mm. There were some parts of the fantasy that got a bit too out of hand, Did I you guess. find it too similar to The English Patient? Maybe if I had seen The English Patient. I honestly thought this was going to be like a friendly kids film as well, but it's not. It's a, it's a bit violent at certain points as well. So, so it's so, not a kids film? No, it's not a kids film. Why did you think it was a kids film? It looked very colourful and like lots of creative characters, but then it got into some very, <laughs> very violent scenes. I was like, okay, I'm not going to watch this with my kids next time. But overall, I think... Next time. It, yeah, next time. After the first time you watched it with yeah. me. 
Yeah, I think it is a perfectly fine film. Okay, thank you for that glowing endorsement. Yeah, well, it's not it's not outstanding, but it's not terrible either. I think it's very middle of the road for me. Okay. We did get a couple of reviews about The Fall. One from the So I'm Watching This Show podcast. I'd absolutely love it. It's stunning to look at. The story is so captivating. And honestly, Lee Pace would read me the dictionary, and I'd want to throw Oscars at him so it's a win all around. So is Lee Pace really good in it? He is actually really good in it. He plays the patient in the hospital and a couple of the characters in the fantasy. Nice. One here from Corley J said, It's a modern Wizard of Oz. It truly is an underseen masterpiece. Another one from the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Watch this film after watching all of Holt and Catch Fire and wanted to see Lee Pace in a different role. It's a unique film with exceptional visual flair and a very compelling story. Another one here from Dan and Cody Podcast said, This is a brilliant film. Such a good flick. One from Chill Bro Baggins said, Underrated, Tarsome Classic. Caleb Says Stuff said, Such a phenomenal film. Wow, a lot of love on Twitter. Yeah, a lot of love for The Fall. All right, moving on to your number seven, Dean. Blockers. Blockers, okay. Tell me about Blockers, Dean. Well, you've seen it. I know. And you like it. Yeah. And I agree with you. Cool. It's, I mean, I'm not going to say surprisingly good because I actually went in after your review with um, reasonable expectations for it. And... Yeah, it's very, very funny. It's very, very enjoyable. All the characters are entertaining. The situations are, you know, it sort of feels like a a modern day old school or American Pie, like one of these funny sex romp movies with drunk teenagers everywhere. And it it works. It works on a lot of levels. John Cena is actually really funny in it. Leslie Mann as well is quite good. And the third guy is not bad as well. And the thing is, like, there's, there's a message through this and each character has this different message that sort of gets across throughout the film. And I really like the way it all got tied up at the end as well. I thought it was, uh, yeah, well made and pretty funny. Cool. All right. All right. My number six film is Incredibles 2. What exactly is Mom's new job? She's an advocate for superheroes. I thought superheroes were still illegal. Hey, hey, the bus is here! So, things haven't spiraled out of control the moment I left? Oh my god. And Jack Jack? Looks normal to me. What the? Num num cookie. You're cookie. Oh my god. Cookie. Wow, gay. That is freaky. Yeah, I also saw Incredibles 2 this morning, actually. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, I think it's. I think it is definitely a step down from the original. Uh, I think the the I think the animation in this is fantastic compared to the first Incredibles. Did we, you have a problem with the first Incredibles animation? At the time, I didn't. But when going back and looking at it, it is definitely very blocky, and you can tell it is made in two thousand and four with the animation still back then. I think in but Incredibles two, I think the action scenes were pretty top notch. I think it was pretty funny as well at certain points. I took my whole family to go see it recently, and it was the cinema was packed full of kids, and I think that actually contributed to my enjoyment of it because when something funny would happen, you hear all these kids laughing. It was it was pretty funny to laugh with them. Like my oldest loved this film. She just started bursting out laughing at all these scenes. I think what drags it for me is I think the overall story is a bit weak. I think the motivation. Okay, let, hang on. The villain is incredibly predictable and you know immediately who it is when it happens. Their motivation is just terrible. I think the the third act is a bit of a letdown. It could have been so much better. It ends quite abruptly again. I think there's a lot for this film 
that could have been done better. There's a lot of misses in this film. If they had plugged those holes, this could have been a really, really great film. Yeah, I don't think it's a matter of just plugging holes, to be honest. I think once you go down the path of having a villain like that with terrible to no motivations and is the whole movie in general is extremely predictable i think you're always going to struggle to make a film that's you know complete and you know satisfying um for viewers but having said that i do believe that this movie is very funny um jack jack the baby is a standout all the scenes with him are just hysterical there's something about babies laughing and i just (laughs) it just makes me laugh um but i actually took zara my my three-year-old my youngest to the cinemas today for her first ever cinema experience and she was fantastic she was laughing away so i think yeah i think it it's it's a good movie because the characters of the incredibles are really good Right, and they carry this movie through. Problem is, everything around them is pretty ordinary. He has some good character development here with Bob, you know, and it's very relatable for you know people like you and me about having to raise these kids, like, and going through those turmoils of you know a non-stop crying baby at mm. points. Mm. You talk about Jack, Jackie. Yeah, I think Jack Jack's pretty good, and definitely the scene with the raccoon is probably my favourite in this film. But I do think they, over- yeah. I do think they overused him at points. Towards the end, they kept doing the same thing, like, yeah, he has this power, he has this power, and it, they used him a bit too much where it became a little bit overkill. No, the more the merrier for Jack-Jack. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, we've got a review from Dial N for Movie Podcast. Best part, Jack-Jack versus Raccoon. That, as a movie, would have been good enough for me. Only bad part was that you knew the villain right away, and their motives and methods left more to be desired. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for the third film in 14 more years. <laughs> Incredibles 3. Long live John Ratzenberger. Also from the We Watch The Thing podcast, great movie. I loved it. Not as good as the first, due to a few minor story bumps, but the animation, particularly the layout and camera work, was, wait for it, incredible. Best action movie of the year so far. Also from Movies with the Misses, pretty freaking amazing animation, choreography, and the voice performances were all on point. Very relatable to mums and dads. Only downside, predictable villain. Yep, fair enough. There you go. My number six film is Doctor Strange. That will do it for my Marvel rewatch. I've seen Spider-Man and what else is there? Thor Ragnarok, yep. Black Panther, all very recently a number of times. So I'm not going to rewatch them. But Doctor Strange is very good. Benedict Cumberbatch fits the role so perfectly. The whole mythos and uh, world building with this particular character was obviously very required and, you know, really... Really mattered that they get this right because it is nothing like what they've done before. And I think they pulled it off. It's not the best Marvel movie, but it's definitely mid-range and, yeah, very enjoyable. Okay. My number five film is Isle of Dogs. Yeah, me too. Cool. All right. I think this is... uh, It's pretty good. I definitely enjoyed it. Like, I don't... I Obviously, I love fantastic mr fox and this is the animation like wes anderson and animation they stop motion and this stop motion animation i really enjoyed that part of it i think it's it's brilliant how he he puts so much effort into all this and it works well i think the characters of like of all the dogs i think great but i think where it slips for me is i feel like there's just it feels a little cold to me with some of this with with the setting and i feel and i didn't relate or get enough out of the the human characters, I feel like they were a letdown for me. I do think that it's it's definitely very funny at points. I was laughing out loud at a lot of points. 
and I, I did love it a lot when the dogs were the center of attention. But when it cut back to in Japan with the mayor and Kobayashi, Kobayashi and like the, the rally groups and all that, it took me out of the film. And that's where it kind of lowered for me. But I still really enjoyed it and I would definitely watch it again. Yeah, for me, obviously, you said you love Fantastic Mr. Fox. I really did not like that movie at all. I struggled with it a lot. Um, and I had a lot of issues with it. And so, obviously, I went into this with pretty low expectations, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. It's far improved on M- Fantastic Mr. Fox. The animation is incredible. And maybe the animation is similar in Fantastic Mr. Fox. But because the movie was such a letdown for me, I kind of really didn't care about that. But watching it here, I was really impressed by it. As you say, the characters of the dogs are really great. Um, the voice acting is fantastic. Edward Norton is really good in this film. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum as yeah. well. Um, yeah, the story was good. As I was just... I was very unexpectedly... Um, found myself enjoying this film. Yeah, because I know you were going to go into it with very low expectations. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I know. Um, and as you say, it felt cold. Looking at the trailers, I did not like yeah, the, the I, setting at all, and I thought this was going to be worse. Than I agree. I think. I, I think when we uh, in our top ten of twenty seventeen that we mentioned this, and I said it like looking at the, the trailer initially, I wasn't interested in it really. Even though I love Fantastic Mr. Fox, I just wasn't keen on it. But then I did see a clip of it on YouTube of the of the the two packs of dogs fighting over the rubbish at the start, mm. and that perked me back up. I said, "Okay, that was really good. I'm actually interested in seeing this film now," and I'm glad I did. Yeah, it's smart. It's well written. It's well directed. Um, I would recommend it, and my kids watched it as well, and they loved it. Cool. We have got one review here from the We Watch the Thing podcast. Said it was bizarre, beautiful, and felt more like an art piece than a film. I really enjoyed it. Some aspects might be a bit problematic, but it was a really great watch. Right, Dean, what's your number four? Incredibles 2. Okay, on to my number four, which is Love, Simon. Which is my number three. Okay. Yeah, I think this was... Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very sweet. It's it's very it's a very easy watch, and I love the progression of the story. I think it's paced very well to see, you know... The general plot is, to, is him trying to find out who this mystery person is on the other side of the computer... And I think that the steps that he takes to get to that point is handled very well. Watching his, how he goes through the people that he thinks it is, the turmoils he has with his friends along the way, it all feels like a genuinely real story. Mm. Like, there's nothing in this film that I called bullshit on. Mm. Yeah, but I can see that you're chewing at the bit to, to say something, Dean, so why don't you go right, ahead? I'll just, I'll just jump into it. So, yeah, this is a new pro-gay movie that um, I really enjoyed. The titular character is a lovely young man, a guy you can really empathise with, a guy you enjoy watching. The troubles he experiences, you experience with him. His group of friends are interesting enough, but his new friend whom he is forced to hang with is super annoying and is way too big a part of this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that guy was very frustrating. Yeah, and he's used for comic relief regularly, even though he's not at all funny. Uh, The other main issue I have with this movie is that, unfortunately, it is really predictable. A lot of the story does follow a pretty standard formula, despite adding a new twist to it. The best thing about Love, Simon, though, is its heart. The emotional scenes, they really work here and land a massive punch when they should. Overall, a very good film that has a great message for audiences, young and old. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, So, my number three was Unsane. What's your number three? Love, Simon. Keep up, Ando. Did you say four? Now, that was Incredibles 2. 
All right. <laughs> well, it's very late now. All right, let's get into my number two, which is Taken. I mean, what do you like? What do we say about this film? It's fantastic. I love this film. It's ball action. Liam Neeson's at his peak action here before he went on to like Qui Gon. Ah, oh, shut up. Before we get into you know, he's taken two and three, and then all these other nonstop and unknown, and all all those other ones that came afterwards. This is him at his prime, very gritty. Like, it, and again, it's a well paced film. You see the the plot go from America to France to like as he follows it all the way to the point where all the hijinks ensue <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I think I, I honestly think this is one of those films where if you're listening to us you've probably seen Taken and if you haven't I don't know judging by a few tweets I've seen lately <laughs> of some of our listeners uh, lack of uh... if you haven't seen Taken just get out there and, and watch Taken because it's, it's a very fun enjoyable action film hmm all right, my number two is the first Incredibles. Okay. Uh, what to say about this? This was a lot of people put this as like their number one Pixar film. Mm. I've never, I've never rated it as highly as the um, the Pixar greats like Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Up. Um, but I'm sorry, I th- did you say Up? I think you were supposed to say Wally. I think I heard Wally. I think yeah, Wally. I heard Wally. Cool. Well, Wally's great as well. Um, Incredibles yeah, yeah. is definitely in that top tier. Pixar though, it's all the things I said about Incredibles too, without all the problems. It really is a almost perfect family film. It's and the similarities between this group and Fantastic Four. Like I know, like a lot of their powers are very similar, but even like the appearance of one of these villains. Um, I don't know the Mole Man. What's he called? Mole Man. The under- Hans. <laughs> <laughs> Hans Molman. Um, nah, anyway, so that aside, the family dynamic works so perfectly and they balance the superhero versus family life so precisely. It's it's a joy to watch. I, I, I liked it more this time than any other time I've ever watched it. And I've probably watched it about four times now. So, yeah, very good movie. Very, nice. very good movie. Nice. Good to hear. All right, we're up to our number one films. I'm trying to think what your number one film is. Oh, I know what yours is. I know you know that. My number one film is a film that you got me to watch, Take Shelter. Nice. Now, for anyone who doesn't know what Take Shelter is about, it is about a husband and a father who is plagued by a series of apocalyptic visions, and he has to, and he starts to question whether to shelter his family from this coming storm that he keeps having premonitions about, or to shelter him from himself and his actions he's taking. And I think the, I think the best thing about this film is Michael friggin' Shannon. Yeah. He is so good in this film. It is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I can't... I th- this, this is all I keep coming back to with this film. He's, his natural progression from... Like, his, his natural fear that he gets when he wakes up from these dreams and he's, and he's, he's, he's fearful for himself about what, what is happening to him. But then as stuff starts to happen and he's realizing, like, I want to protect my family, but then sometimes he has to realize that it's a, he needs to protect them from himself. Hmm. And he starts to get confused about whether or not these dreams he's having is actually coming true or if it's worth it. And I'm telling you, the last, like, quarter of this film, this light, like, it is sensational. Jessica Chastain is obviously amazing mm. in what she does and she's just as good here those two are so good together I don't, I'm not going to spoil but the scene where 
he has to make a choice. He's got to make a big, big choice. This is the, this is it's the build up to this choice he has to make, and it is some of the best acting I've ever seen from both of these both of these people. Well, so best ever from these people or best ever? One, like just in general, like this scene, the acting from both of them, the acting from both of them together, it's it's perfect. Like it's so good. You definitely need to see this film. And I actually really didn't have a lot of expectations going into it because um, it's, it's, it's directed by Jeff Nichols who did Midnight Special, which I actually didn't like mm. um, from a couple of years ago, which also starred Michael Shannon. I'm genuinely surprised that this film is a really, really good film. And I would definitely, definitely recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. And we've got a couple of reviews here for Take Shelter. One from the Casual Cinecar said, This is my favourite Michael Shannon performance. This movie was made for him. I couldn't agree more. Also from the Work Life Imbalance podcast, Take Shelter is a great movie. One of Michael Shannon's best roles. Scrap that from me. Michael Shannon's best role. I can't say too much without giving things away, but it's a great look into the effects that paranoia has on those around you. Couldn't agree more. So thank you very much for recommending that to me, Dean. No worries, Daniel. Hopefully my three films can warrant the same enjoyment for you. We shall see. My number one film was A Quiet Place, or Quiet Place, whatever it's Of course, A Quiet Place. Yeah. Here we go. I knew, I knew that you loved this film because you, when you saw it, you know, I got a little text from you saying, oh, what didn't you like about it? What'd you give it? What, what was your problems with it? I'm like, you fucking love this film, oh, mate. You're trying, to, you're trying to pick my brain as to what I thought was wrong about it. Yeah, I was trying to, and I went, I actually went back and listened to the podcast where you uh, said your review on it and- In a spoiler-free environment. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I went back and listened to it and- I don't know. I just I had no issues with the things that you were complaining about at all. I felt like my issues didn't come up in that. I I said very vague things, and we actually had a discussion off the podcast about yes, this recently. We did, and I did let voice my concerns about this film. You did, and I get over it. Okay, so that they're fine. Like your concerns are not an issue for me at okay, all. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, and like I. <laughs> Again, I went in. I did not expect to love this movie at all. I thought it would. I never saw it when it came out. I thought it would be pretty throwaway. John Krasinski's fantastic. Emily Blunt's fantastic. The kids are great. The whole story is it's original. They do something different, and I knew I would love it in the first few minutes when something major happens and it just blew me away. I was like, okay, this movie's going to be like that going to take chances and t- you know do things a bit differently and i was i was a big fan the the thrill the thriller part of it the tension that you experience throughout it's there it's real i felt it i really really loved it cool fair enough very and like, I, didn't, I didn't hate it i just i thought it no, was fine. i know i yeah. know you you were just medium on it and yeah. i yeah i'd give it a four and a half i really really like it cool all right well that's gonna do it for this jumbo size podcast what are we watching this week? We're obviously watching Logan, but what else are we going to go check out? Uh, I was thinking I might go see The Goonies, uh, <laughs> Anomalisa, and maybe even Train to Busan. Uh, well, i tell you what I'm going to go see. I'm going to go see Jurassic World 2 this week, so that's going to be our extra movie review on the podcast next week. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll go see that. I actually might go see Tag. Tag's a good one. Yeah, I reckon we could try and get you. All right, I'll go see Jurassic World 2 and you go see Tag. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm, I've got a busy week this week. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it, guys. We will catch up with you next week for Logan. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.